We are just, what, five days away now from Errol Spence and Sean Porter on pay-per-view this week on Fox. I got Fred, I got Tom here with me. This is the Sunday Puncher Podcast. I'm Angelo, I am the host, and man, you know, let's, let's, thanks for being on, guys. I want to just kind of paint a picture for you. So, right now, I hope all of you listening to this enjoyed football, and if you watched any of the games that are on Fox, you enjoyed your games today. Hopefully, your team won. And so, for the past few weeks that the NFL has been back, we've seen this promotion from Fox about the Spence and Porter fight. We've seen shows. We've seen integration uh, between boxing and the various franchises that they've had. We've seen the inside PBC shows. We've seen the fight camp. What I'm trying to get at is we've seen a lot of promotion for this fight. And just last night, we had one of the top prospects of his time fighting. And I'm talking about Jojo Diaz. Jojo Diaz coming out of the Olympics was a top 10 prospect in the sport. Anybody who watched him unequivocally, they knew that Jojo Diaz was an elite talent, a future world champion. Now, did things play out exactly how um, maybe they wanted them to play out for JoJo? They haven't, and we're not gonna, you know, we're not gonna go there. However, is JoJo Diaz still with a big promotion? Does he still have a TV deal, and does he still have opponents out there for him to fight? Yeah. Well, he just fought last night with zero awareness. You have Gennady Golovkin fighting in two weeks in a fight where the fighters are going to get paid upwards of twenty million dollars combined. Fights in two weeks. And he's got his old promoter tweeting out that he fights. I mean, we've seen zero, technic, like literally zero, prom, not literally zero, but close to zero promotion for these two fights. And then you have the massive backing that the Spence Porter uh, fight is getting. So it's just so wild that we have a vast, the, the two vast ends of the spectrum right, right here in the promotion of the Spence Porter pay-per-view. And then what we've got with... Um, the Jojo Diaz fight last night, which was on Facebook Watch, if you didn't know. And then we also have the Golovkin fight, which will be on Dazen. Now, what do you guys gather from that? Like, do you think that it's possible that just the guaranteed money has certain promoters really just taking a backseat to doing their job of actually promoting? And then you have Fox, who literally is, is gambling on these two fighters and saying, like, you know, the only money we're going to get is what they can legitimately convince people to buy. I mean, what's your read on that, Fred? I don't even know what to say. Was it Jojo Diaz was on Facebook? He was. <laughs> Jesus, fuck. Uh, yeah, well, look at comparison last night. Uh, you had a great uh, PBC card, I think, from top to bottom. You know, and Fox is really big all in on it. And uh, even during the fight, they had the segment on all these super middleweights. Of course, without the WBO champion, you know, because... They don't recognize WBO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but well, for those who didn't watch, they did mention like Callum Smith and Canelo. Well, but, I yeah, do want to talk the on the WBO champ, did, but uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Yeah, back to you. Yeah, I, 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 I do want to talk on that. Oh yeah, if you, if you want to talk about promotion, yeah, uh, I think I think we've talked about it before. Oscar is like completely lazy because now he's got all his money, you know. So like you said, he's not even showing up to most of his fights. You know, so so that's just bizarre. So so this is what this he is the, them from the thirty fiver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's whatever sports bar is closest to his home. Uh, yeah. So this is the downside of having a lot of money uh, being thrown to promoters because they are getting uh, lazy. 
you know, and you see that, especially like I said, you know, Jojo Diaz. It's like no one knows. The uh, zone is a bit different. They 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 have trouble just getting anyone to pay attention to them, you know. So th- that's their their problem is that they're both trying to establish themselves as a streaming service and also push their fights, and it's really not going well. Especially we got Golovkin. Golovkin is not a big name. Like a lot of people in boxing forums think he's big, but he's really a very middle of the road draw. You know, if you, if you stick him out there, he's you know, Andre Bro or Adrian Broner's outsold him in some fights. You know, so it, it, it's it's yeah, two weeks ago, and you wouldn't know it. Yeah. Now, let's get into the pay per view because we have all this promotion. Um, whether you're hyped about the fight or not, you can't help but be exposed to the promotion uh, of the Spence and Porter fight, and you can think whatever you want to think about that. You know, you can you can have your opinion on the fight. But what you can't deny is the effort that they're taking to expose people to the fight. And, like, that's part of Fox's MO is, like, they're trying to reach fans that previously have not been reached. And while, yeah, it makes for a broadcast that sometimes is a little weird for us who, who watch boxing religiously, I don't know. Maybe it's working for those other fans who don't typically watch. But anyway, Tom, how about this? What is the theory... What is the case that you could make for why this fight should be on pay-per-view? Like, why would Fox go out of their way to take this gamble? And it certainly is a gamble uh, that they've taken with specifically with the Spence Garcia pay-per-view. But even now with this one where we kind of know what we're getting with Porter and Spence um, is where he's at in his development as a quote-unquote star. So what is your theory for why they would put this on pay-per-view? What is the justification for it? Oh, sure. Framing it in terms of Fox. Um, Yeah, because there are multiple ways of looking at it. From their standpoint, it's not that big of a risk. I think that's always there was like a lot of weird stuff floating around when the PBC did their first wave of pay-per-views this past year about why this was such a big risk to Showtime and then Fox. But I mean, if you think about it, like the guarantees are not very much. I think it was something like three million and three million for Spence and Garcia the last time. And it's probably going to be something similar for Porter and, and Spence. So if you compare the possibility of doing a pay-per-view which doesn't do that great versus putting fights out with a license fee, trade-off really isn't that bad. I mean, there's not too much financial risk. And, and you know, from the standpoint of this time when, when Fox is throwing so much weight behind it, this is now their third pay-per-view. And I think they've probably seen the return that they like. I mean, I don't think they would put the massive amount of marketing muscle we're seeing if they hadn't already seen good results from the first two pay-per-views. I think it's strange that a lot of people are talking about this fight as being a test for Fox. I think they they I think at this point they already know what they're getting into and I think that's why we're seeing, you know, such an increased push for this relative to the first two. What do you think, Fred? Do you agree with Tom? Well, yeah. Tom's stealing some of my angle there. I shouldn't have wrote <laughs> that down. Uh, essentially it's, it's pay-per-view because Fox wants it to be pay-per-view. It's a bit different. Like usually it was the promoters, like when you had HBO and Showtime running everything, it's the promoters that took fights to pay-per-view because they could get make more money. So the more, most of the time, uh, HBO and Showtime are along for a ride, except for, you know, in the case of someone like Floyd, who was a, a proven pay-per-view star, uh, with Fox, they just, it's them. They want the thing like you saw uh, that's why they got the second manny fight because showtime is really you know they're more uh hesitant on putting things to pay-per-view but fox grabbed it they're like yeah we want pay-per-view 
So they're pushing it. So when people say, why should it be on? Well, Fox wants it on. That's pretty much it. And they think they can make enough money and make their return. So they're doing it. Now, as as a as a fight, uh, it's the two top welterweights. You know, they're both champions. Why shouldn't it be on pay per view? <laughs> well, is that or is that a rhetorical question, or do you want an answer? Well, you can give an answer if you want. Yeah, sure, go ahead. I'll I'll wait because I'm gonna have a whole thing. On well, that. yeah, I mean, do we want to get in from the fan standpoint? I feel like it's a little cold to just talk about what's it from Fox perspective. Mm-hmm. Should we have the guy who most uh who more closely resembles the average fan talk here? Should we have Tom do that? <laughs> the one who's most representative of the average boxing fan? Hmm, hmm. Yeah, Tom, why don't you go ahead? Take this one from yeah, the fan. I'm a regular everyman. I understand the financial burden people are under. Um, yeah, well, look, forgetting the pay-per-view <laughs> part of it, I mean, um, look, yeah, it's just a really good fight. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Spence. I mean, it's funny. You know, I was laughing about all the Anthony Joshua fans I saw crying in MSG when he lost. But yeah, I, I'm invested in Spence. He's, you know, an American Olympian. I've been following him since he liter- literally when he turned pro, uh, literally since his pro debut when he debuted on, on Showtime. Uh, Porter, I've been watching for about 10 years since he um, was fighting on Showbox way back in the day. So I, I, I'm huge fans of both guys. I think style-wise, it meshes to be an action fight. So, you know, I can't wait. I mean, as far as it being a pay-per-view, you know, that that gets into a whole other question about, you know, how much money do you want to spend on your boxing? But, I mean, as far as a fight, I mean, it's a fantastic fight. For me personally, this is the fight I'm looking forward to most this year. Um, Probably, you know, Ruiz Joshua rematches two, and Canelo Kovalev is probably number three after that. Not Saudi um, but... Arabia versus Iran. <laughs> uh, uh, why do we have to talk about this stuff related to boxing? I, I hope uh, Andy Ruiz is, comes back from Tom, uh, Saudi Tom's that Arabia. fan okay. that writes in writes emails to ESPN about how they shouldn't talk about Colin Kaepernick uh, on their <sighs> on their broadcast. Uh, don't drag me into that. But <laughs> anyway, I, look, I'm pumped for it. I, I've already got the fight pre-purchased on my cable box. Uh, you know, I'm good to go. Anyway, what do, what do you guys think? Are you guys excited for it? Are you buying it? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I'll be there. But look at this, all right? This is why this fight's on pay-per-view. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Errol Spence is far more popular than he's giving credit for. I mean, if you really think about it, Spence is actually underrated when it comes to the evaluation of the stars in boxing. When we talk about the stars of boxing, we say Canelo, rightfully so. We say Anthony Joshua, rightfully so. And then there's that next tier, and you'll hear Deontay Wilder's name brought up, and that makes a lot of sense. And you know whose name comes up? Gennady Golovkin. But let me tell you something. The boxing community is like, it's just like crabs in a barrel. They never want to see anybody succeed. Everyone's always getting brought down. When you have a guy come up, there's people so quick to just drag him down. And I'll point out some guys like Vasily Lomachenko, who's extraordinarily talented, but there's a huge group of fans who want to see him fail. And Errol Spence is not immune to this. There's a lot of people that don't want to see Spence as that draw. And look, I get it. If 
a, if Spence develops into the legitimate pay-per-view draw, like a Floyd Mayweather, well, yeah, it makes sense because he's going to hurt you in the wallet because you're going to have to pay 70, 80 bucks to see him fight every time. I get that aspect of it, but I think part of it, and people aren't honest with themselves, the reason why Spence gets hate, the reason the reason for that, and the same thing with Lomachenko, the reason why these guys get hate is because there are people out there that know that their favorite fighters, Terrence Crawford, Gervonta Davis, that Spence and Lomachenko are legitimate threats, and they very likely will beat them. And that's all it is, is pure hate because you don't want to see your guy lose. And I get it. That's part of sports. But let's just look at the numbers. If you actually just look at the numbers, there are, when you look at Spence and even Porter, these guys are far more popular than anybody gives them credit for. If you look at the ratings over the past several years, Errol Spence has the highest numbers. And they've both done big numbers on TV. Errol Spence fought Leonard Bundu, did 4.8 million viewers, head and shoulders above any fight in America in a long time. And I get it. I get the argument. Oh, well, he had the, the, the gold medal game as a lead-in. You know what? It is really hard to keep an audience. Go look at boxing numbers and what feeds into it. Look at ESPN's numbers. Look at what Top Rank has done on ESPN. They've had big lead-ins. And usually people just turn off the TV. So I get it, but you got to keep people around. And boxing cards aren't 30 minutes, okay? 1.24 million against uh, Chris Algieri. He's already done a pay-per-view that's, that did 375, something like that. 375,000 buys. By, even comparing that to Oscar De La Hoya's first pay-per-view, that's pretty good. His fights on Showtime, they've done in the 600,000s, which is pretty good. That's good for Showtime. It's not spectacular. Let's not get that twisted. But they've been pretty good in the upper echelon of Showtime numbers. Look at Sean Porter. Sean Porter did 2.4 million viewers against Adrian Broner. He did 3.1 million against Keith Thurman. And he recently did 1.63 against your Dennis Ugas. That's a lot of people watching these fights. So whether you want to admit it, People are going out of their way and have gone out of their way to watch these guys fight. And if you think about it, like, okay, well, how, how does the network justify this? And even you, how do you justify this at home? Well, if 1.63 million people watched Sean Porter's last fight against your Dennis Ugas, and 20% of those people went out of their way to order the pay-per-view, you have a fight that does more than 300,000 pay-per-view buys, 325 about that which would be far and above the break-even number that we typically hear in boxing. And if you look at it, it's like, are you confident that they can do over 20%? Well, look at their past um, numbers. Evidence says that they can do that. And think about this. The Jordanis Ugas fight wasn't that good. Like, I don't know how 1.63 million stood around. If I was a casual boxing fan, I would have turned that fight off. But look, we have two world champions. They're both title holders in the glamour division of boxing. We know that they're popular. We know that this fight is meaningful. It completely makes sense to me from all angles, no matter how you want to look at it, as a fan or as a business person, as Fox, as PBC, it makes sense that this would be on pay-per-view. And also, there's the other aspect of it. Like, this is an investment PBC is making in Spence. It's like, yeah, this may not do well, but over time, we believe that he's going to get to that million pay-per-view by Mark. And look, not every... If you look at history, all the guys who fought on pay-per-view and quote-unquote are pay-per-view draws, they started like this, 
with these 300,000 buys. It, it, it's been rough at the beginning. But over time, if you stick to it, it gets better. So, Tom, Fred, you have any counters to what I just said? Anything you want to expand upon? Go ahead, Fred. Uh, no. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> when people say things got to do well, it's like 200,000 buys is a lot of money. Like once again, it's like this: everyone's spending everyone else's money. You know, you make two hundred thousand buys on a pay for you, you're you're making a profit easy. You know, it, it, it's just such a bizarre thing. And I, I don't know people that bitch about this on forums anyway. They're not going to pay for it. You know, they're going to be streaming. These are the same guys that come in and ask for streams for fights on broadcast TV. You know, so who gives a shit about them? I, I just don't. No. I have no issue with this like this whole, well, it shouldn't be on pay-per-view, it shouldn't be on this, because we're still going to see them flooding the, you know, all those forums asking for a stream, no matter where it is. So who cares? Let me ask so. you guys this. what What is the ultimate endgame for Errol Spence? For PBC? What is the ultimate Here, let me, endgame? Let me go back, if we're still talking about the, like, why not pay-per-view thing, just to talk about that very quickly. Um, it, it's like, it's an interesting thing, like now with the presence of DAZN, it's hard to talk about without talking about DAZN. Like in, you know, going back a few years ago, it was like me as a, as a consumer, like I have cable, I had Showtime, I had HBO. And like when there was a pay-per-view, I would decide when a pay-per-view came up if I wanted to watch it. It's interesting now with DAZN a year in, they've had a lot of ups and downs, but now the fall schedule is out. I mean, for me personally, they've put on two fights, which would have been pay-per-views, you know, the Canelo, the two Canelo fights. So it's like, it, it, it does become an interesting thing to talk about, like, you know, where should consumers spend their first $100? I mean, is it, a set, you know, for boxing fans in the U.S., that seems to be the argument I'm seeing from, like, the Eddie Hearn fanboys is, like, you're crazy if you don't buy DAZN and you are wasting money if you spend money on anything that's not DAZN, which is, you know... I think kind of stupid because that's just not how I'm used to spending money as a boxing consumer. But I, I, do, I do kind of get it, especially now that they have their fall schedule out. Because if you look again, it's like I'm not going to like not buy this pay per view because DAZN exists. But they're oh, you're not like, petty, okay? Yeah, but I mean, their 12 months has definitely, I think, like they have justified like an annual subscription for what they've put out in this 12 months now you know again that was their first 12 months where they've said they were losing money and they were you know being an irrational player in the marketplace in order to to start up so we don't know what it's going to be like next year but anyway that that's sort of how i frame i mean it's just kind of weird like a few years ago people never spoke in those terms that's just how we were used to getting boxing you subscribe for a premium service and then you pay for pay-per-views when there are big fights and like i've bought so many terrible pay-per-views in the past like i mean i bought i guarantee you didn't buy one of them that i'm gonna name later (laughs) okay ricky hatton versus carlos mousa uh for anyone who's old enough to remember that 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 that, that's that's a nice uh, cut there that's the badge of honor i have um that is a nice cut it is interesting to look at the different spending behaviors that, you know, you have, it, it's almost like this, this element of like console wars. Like, you know, I'm old enough to have remembered the Nintendo versus Sega console wars. And then the, you know, Sony versus Nintendo and Sony, Nintendo, Microsoft. It's Tom like flexing that he's like 29. <laughs> the things that people are arguing about are like console war fanboys are like, Oh, I have to zone. Don't get anything. You know, it's like just to zone. Don't get anything. You know, it's, I'm, I've been following boxing for so long, it's so weird 
to like hear people argue, you know, it's just never the way that people have talked about boxing spending, which is really, you know, like a way like Eddie Hearn has tried to frame it. You know, that was not an, an argument that existed before DAZN. I mean, I think even ESPN Plus being so relatively inexpensive and that they're still trying to push pay-per-views, it doesn't really exist in their market. So anyway, there was some other, I had some other stuff in the notes, which was a lot of like academic, like business stuff about like um, net promoter score and, and uh, wallet allocation rule, but that that's going to be a waste of everyone's time. So I'll, I'll throw back to one of you guys. Well, I, th- I think that the important thing that you pointed to, and and it's something that really annoys me about boxing, and and I kind of alluded to it when people talk when we talk about the division in, amongst boxing fans between like the Spence fans and the Crawford fans and the Lomachenko fans and literally any other fighter that is a remote threat to Lomachenko. I I think. Too often, boxing fans have this perspective that you can't have it all. Like, you can't be a fan of two things. You have to pick a side, and you have to shit on the other. And it's just, it's detrimental to the, to the health of the sport. Like, everyone says, oh, it's so good that there's a streaming service. No, it's not. It, like, well, yes, it's good that there's a streaming service, and there's good that you can get fans there. But what's not good is you saying, because this exists, the other thing shouldn't. No. You know what's more helpful to to boxing than a streaming service that's that's relatively low 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 priced although it's more expensive than hbo and showtime ever were you know what's more helpful is a huge push from some channel some network with millions and millions of people to expose the sport to that's what that that is the biggest benefit boxing can have because for so long and like i remember um, what year is this? We're talking like 2012. I remember listening to Max Kellerman who was on, uh, he did, uh, drive time radio here in LA and l- listened to him every single day. And I remember just the, the slivers of boxing talk we got, like literally they would only do like three minutes, maybe once a month on boxing. Someone would call in, they let someone get through to talk to Max about boxing. And it was like, that was the most exposure boxing was getting. Like it was to the point Boxing's mainstream exposure was to the point that if I posted that to the sub, it would get a ton of upvotes and everyone would be happy to see it because boxing was seen outside of its normal places. And now you have people who have completely flipped on that and don't care about the promotion that Fox or that boxing is getting from Fox. And I, I mean, I wish I could put ESPN in this category because it's such a missed opportunity, but I can barely do it. Um, given the dis- discrepancy between what Fox is doing and what ESPN is doing. Because ESPN, I'm sorry, but just putting the, the, the fight announcement in the bottom right-hand corner of a fight or of a, of a game for like two minutes, it just doesn't work for me, brother. So, but those things can both be good for the sport. Dazen doesn't have enough money to pay for all the boxing. I don't think people realize this. They just don't have enough money. So there needs to be other networks. And Dazen also wouldn't be able to get all the content that they have right now if they were spending the amount of money that Fox has to spend um, promoting boxing. So there's a give and take here. Both can exist and you can love both. Like just relax, pay for the pay-per-view, pay for Dazen and be happy. I mean, I, I know for some people that situation may not be viable because for whatever reason, maybe you just ain't willing to pay that much extra money, whatever. Um, whether that be the 20 bucks a month, the $99 a year, or 60, 70 bucks for a pay-per-view. I don't know what your situation is, but you can at least enjoy it all. You don't have to hate one or the other. Fred, you want to speak on this? No. Okay, good. <laughs> well, good. Um, we didn't want to hear from you anyway. Uh, 
let's talk about now the reverse because there's two sides to everything. We just spent, I don't know, 20 minutes or so talking about why this should be a pay-per-view. But let's go the other, let's go the other way, okay? Why should this not be on pay-per-view? And there's certainly no shortage. If you want to find out why this shouldn't be on pay-per-view, you can take to Reddit, you can take to social media. But like from, from your perspective, guys, if you're going to mount an argument for why you shouldn't put this on pay-per-view, like where would you go? Like what, what would you say, Tom? I mean, I already gave most of my answer, but to add two little other bits, it's like, you know, what I already said before, just to, to rephrase, is just if you've already spent enough money on zone and you say, well, I can no longer, you know, pay for a pay-per-view anymore. I don't view the market that way anymore. I mean, again, that that's that's sort of your business. But as far as what what is the knock against the event, I mean, Spence has become like a crazy big favorite, betting favorite, like 10 to 1 or something. So I think... Most people, there's pretty wide consensus Spence is going to win. Um, so I guess that's the main knock against it. I think I would just quickly counter that by saying, I think people, even if they think Spence is going to win, think he's going to win a competitive action fight, which like, you know, that's how I see it and sign me up. But anyway, what, what about you? You were afraid of anything else to say about why not? I doubt Fred would say anything here, but um, I'll say that... Like, if you want to talk about why this fight shouldn't be on pay-per-view, you got to start with the quality of the matchup. And this is what I frequently see when people uh, criticize the fight. And, like, while it's very true, I don't think anybody's going to deny at this point that Errol Spence is arguably one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. You know, he is in the top 10, hovering around the 5 spot. There's no doubt about that. At, at this point, that's what Spence has proven to us. And... The problem is Sean Porter, because every boxing fan, and if you're not, a, if this isn't true about you, you're not a real boxing fan. Every boxing fan out there wants to see Spence fight. He's that kind of talent. He's must-watch boxing. But you might also say, "Well, I want to fight, watch Sean Porter fight too." However, the difference is, I don't want to see them fight each other because I, I don't necessarily think that the outcome here is in jeopardy. We know what Sean Porter is, and he is what he is. He's a good fighter. He's very aggressive. He can make things interesting, but his style does not translate at the top. We've seen him go. He fought Keith Thurman. He fought Kell Brook, and he lost. And he arguably should have lost against Danny Garcia. Spence at this point is miles ahead of that. So why would I want to pay money to see a fight that is ultimately very predictable? I would say that that's probably the argument you could make. I don't think it's a good argument, but it is the argument that you could make. And if you made that, I wouldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't laugh at you. I, I would disagree, but I, I wouldn't think it's terrible because if you think about it, this is one versus three. If you have Manny Pacquiao above Sean Porter, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But this is one versus three. And there are some people out there who think, Oh, well, if it's not one versus two, it's not worth my time. That's a really terrible way to look at boxing. And it's also a way to make the sport very bland and kill off any potential of making stars. Um, you know, and think about this. People clamor for Wilder Joshua for years. In my, my, in my eyes, since, what, 2015? I've seen Wilder versus Joshua as two fighting number three. Fury's number one. Now... I don't know about that today. You know, Joshua's lost. Fury's not looked great in his last fight. But people still want to see Wilder Joshua. What is that fight right now? So, 
Um, that that's the case against it. Uh, what do you think, Fred? I'm not going to entertain a case against this fight. It's just dumb. Yeah, I've people sort of do had all the time. Also, they they bitch about fights all the time. They go, "Oh, we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen." You, you don't fucking know what's going to happen. Then when something the opposite happens, like if a guy wins a decision when he wasn't the favorite, they go, "Oh, the judges finally got it right," or some bullshit. It's like fucking that's, that's childish fucking predictability. You know, they all think they have the inside scoop when they have no clue what's really going to happen. You know, like betting odds don't reflect who they think is going to win. Betting odds who they think is going to bet on the fight. That's all it shows. You know, Spence is a big favorite and the betters will make him a bigger favorite. It's all for balance. You know, I see that so many times that people put it on forums. They go, and they'll even say it on TV. They'll say, oh, the, you know, Vegas thinks this guy's going to win. No, they don't. You know, Vegas Bookmakers thinks you're going to bet want, on this. Yeah, they want betting on both sides. And then get they, that action. Yeah, exactly. And then they make their money on the, you know, the imbalance of the betting, the, the payouts. So it just, no, I'm not going to entertain that this shouldn't be like a pay for you. I'm not, I, I, those are just dumb fanboy arguments. And I don't give a shit about that. Well said. Um, you know, because like, look, look if he, especially if you bring in DAZN, DAZN's going to charge people 20 bucks to watch Golovkin versus Darianchenko. One dollar for every bucks? million they're paying for the fight. <laughs> yeah, is that is that worth twenty bucks? No, you know, like I, that whole you get the value if you want. But if you're a big Ted Cheeseman fan, maybe like most of the people making the arguments for the zone can't get the zone because they're all from the UK. <laughs> I know that that is that is uh, the very fallacy true. of the the days in fanboys is that most of them uh, have no access to subscribing unless you're I mean, very how much, clever. How much of a loser do you have to be that you love like a man so much that you compl- you argue with fans from another country about why they should buy his like streaming ser- I mean ugh, it's just so ridiculous. This the crap we deal with every day online. Um no the, pe- the the crap that you deal with online. Me, I don't deal with none of this. You're above the fray. I am. Um, you you and Fred like to get in the mix, but I'm not doing that. Yeah, but again, it's like, I agree, I need to move on. I don't think we need to spend that much more time arguing about people we don't care about. Um, here, here's the thing with this fight, okay? These are, there are, despite anything you may say, the stakes are incredibly high in this fight. And this is why this fight is definitely a pay-per-view. Th- there are high stakes in this one. You look at what's on the line for Errol Spence. You look at what's on the line here for Sean Porter. The question I have for you two. Who is under more pressure in this fight, Spence or Porter? Fred, you can go first. He should have had Tom go first because I don't think uh, Spence is under as much pressure as people think. It, it's, it's really weird because uh, it ties into produce, this. Fred. Yeah, but this is it. <laughs> you, you make me want to write down my ideas and you always sabotage me. That's, this is why the people, you know, you're, you're trying to undermine my takes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? Yeah, <laughs> Just go. I know what's going on. No, it's it's Spence has this big thing where oh Spence has to perform, Spence has to perform. It's it's tied in with the same hatred that uh, you know they just give for Spence because I think maybe because they feel he's tied into Mayweather somehow, but especially because he's closer to Heyman for sure. You know, and it's like people blew smoke up Keith Thurman's ass for years and truly beat Porter and Garcia. Well, Kell Brook record, beat Porter. Fred, day you know? one Thurman hater. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I, I kind of liked him, but he got, you know, irritated me. 
you know, fine fighter, but everyone is up his ass, you know, and what Sean Porter, we saw Sean Porter get stopped by Kell Brook's jab. And then when Spence fought Kell Brook, he blew the guy's eye socket apart. And so <laughs> this whole, it's like, come on. It's, and then there's still like, oh no, Spence has a lot to prove. Cause they're all waiting for him to have Porter's name on his box rack in a W beside it. Cause that's all people can apparently want to do is look at box rack to see if a fighter's good. Cause no one really wants to, I don't know, watch fighters. Uh-oh. They just want to watch the records. It's all about resumes and all this bullshit. We talked like, about Spence that the not- other day, Fred, or maybe yeah. yesterday about how it seems like if you really look into people's takes, a lot of people that you see on Twitter must have started watching boxing after Mayweather Pacquiao. If you look at how thin some of these arguments are and how contradictory they are in terms of what was happening, you know, nine years ago. But anyway, you can go on. I just interrupted you for that. Yeah. No, it's, it's like uh, people are going to say that Spence under pressure isn't under pressure, you know. I think Porter should be under pressure because if this dude loses again, he's not going to have a belt. And this will be the second uh, bigger name he's lost to, you know. His career starts to look a little rocky. Or third, I guess, if you count Kell Brook, you know. It should be on him because this is what this is the third time he's defending a belt. And he lost the other two ones. So Spence has got nothing to do but beat this guy's ass. That's what I'm saying. What about Tom? you, Tom? Who's under more <laughs> yeah, pressure? I'm actually I'm gonna agree with uh, Fred's production criticism yeah I, I probably should have gone first because i could have you know he's sort of rebutting the case i didn't get to make yet yeah I, I i definitely think spence is under more pressure i mean and and i'll say it this way it's like uh porter i think for him it's you know he's overachieved to get to this pay-per-view fight um i think a lot of people thought before i mean he was you know he's had so many ups and downs in his career. I mean, he was lucky to get a draw against Julio Diaz, like, you know, in a fight that he, you know, was seen to completely derail his career, came back and won the rematch, fought Devin Alexander, won an upset in that fight, you know, destroyed Polly Malignaggi. That was the high point of his career, but then got kind of embarrassed against Cal Brook, you know, rebuilt again and was on a good run, lost to Thurman. Um, you know, and what was a very good competitive fight, but then, you know, looked kind of flat again, won an upset against Danny Garcia. So, I mean, he's, you know, and then in his last fight, it was another fight. He was kind of lucky to get a, a decision. So very um, lucky. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about that more in a bit, I, th- I think, but, um, to me again, Porter has overachieved to get to this point just to get a pay-per-view. So I think anything he does, um, in terms of, going the distance uh, in terms of winning some rounds. Um, I think any of those things are a success and help sustain his career. I mean, I think, um, I think that's, that's really why I see it. You know, I just put his bar for success so much lower on Spence's side. Yeah. It's like Spence is at a much higher point in terms of, you know, the amount of money he's, the amount of money he's made already is more than Porter will probably make in his whole career combined earnings, you know? So, uh, yeah, I guess you could say that, but I mean, I, I, I just think um, th- there's such a higher bar for Spence to hit. I mean, I, I going into the Garcia fight, we talked a lot about the embarrassment factor. And I know, Fred, I, I get your point, and it's totally valid about the betting odds that, 
you know, book it's the, the odds are set in order to get the maximum amount of money in on bets and not, you know, but I, I think, you know, you have to say, why are the betting odds so wide? And it's because so many people were betting on Spence book, you know, odds makers don't want any more money on Spence. So they made them so high to prevent further betting essentially, you know? Um, so, I, I mean, Spence, however you look at it is a, a bigger favorite in this fight than Mikey Garcia. I mean, that will also be reflected in fight predictions. You know, um, I think the Mayweather Boxing Club <laughs> did a video and it was like 18 to 1 on Spence, and the one was actually Sean Porter. <laughs> there were a few people who said they didn't want to give a prediction because they were like friends with Sean or Kenny Porter. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I, I think there is oddly very oddly inexplicably a bigger embarrassment factor in this fight than there was in the mikey garcia fight which is just kind of crazy and there are a number of reasons for that but yeah i i think uh just just to try to wrap it up and move on to back to one of you guys it's like um there's a lot of you know movement behind spence he's sort of they're sort of building him up to be the backbone of the pbc economy at welterweight and then maybe eventually 154 and if everything really goes well maybe even 160 so um you know fox is putting a lot of weight behind this pay-per-view which you know i already alluded to before was both because they had a certain amount of success doing that with the first two and that you know they feel that works they want to do more of it but i think also you know they're invested in spence succeeding if this fight does in the 350 to 400 thousand pay-per-view buys we will see spence versus danny garcia at some point on pay-per-view we'll see spence against keith thurman on pay-per-view some point if pacquiao feels like it we'll see a mega fight between pacquiao and keith thurman again <laughs> um and yeah i i mean i'm sort of derailing me but you know and then again you know you have the situation with terrence terrence crawford if if he can do above three hundred thousand pay-per-view buys it starts to make terrence crawford look like you know, is that a 60-40 split? Is that a 70-30 split? I mean, no one's going to be talking about a 50-50 split anymore, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like there's a lot more room for Spence to, you know, fall below expectations compared to Porter, where, again, I just feel like by the time the, the bell rings for the first round and he, that money is in the bank, um, you know, that's uh, he has exceeded expectations already. Anyway, that was overly long answer. Back to one of you guys. Um, do you want to rebuke anything? Uh, is, I don't even know if that's the right word. Rebuke? Rebut. Rebut. Rebut, whatever. Rebuke kind of is like a way to pronounce it, I guess. But Fred, you want to go? Because I'm, I'm going to take Spence. He's under more pressure here. But I want um, to hear what you got to say so I can um, rebuke, rebut what, you're, what you say. I don't know. Tom sort of made uh, Porter sound like a special needs kid. I know. <laughs> Tom's, Tom takes all this time trying to put the fight over. And then he's like, actually... Porter doesn't know what he's doing. He's a complete clown. His dad actually hates him. Um, yeah. You know, it's that oh whole... My God. You know, we need to talk about that more later. The PC he's a winner no matter what. Oh, with you know. Porter's dad was... Oh, my God. I told you guys to watch it. If you haven't, if you don't know what Tom's talking about, you should pause the podcast right now. Go watch PBC Fight Camp Episode 3. Don't watch 1. Don't watch 2. Watch Episode 3. Skip Spence's parts. Like, that's, like, okay. Just watch the Porter parts. It is, like... That is the best boxing TV since Mayweather's feud with his dad. Seriously. Yeah. Um, Fred from Barbershop Conversations was talking about that. His theory 
is that Porter's dad is being buried by the people who produced that. And he says that because he's an Emmy award winning filmmaker. So he knows how stuff is edited. So he, he feels that he's just being buried by the producers, but either way, it's compelling entertainment. Uh, I don't care what it is. If it's a work, if it's not, it's good TV. Um, anyway, let me give my take here. Um, I think Spence is under more pressure. If you look at the promotion, Spence is clearly being promoted as the A-side. He's been, they've focused on him. The fight camps have done a good job trying to emphasize just how big of a deal Errol Spence is. They got him chumming it up with the Dallas Cowboys. He is Jerry Jones' adopted boy, like his name was Emmett Smith. And there's been very little respect being put on Porter's name. You listen to what Tom just said, and it's not like Tom has a unique take here. <laughs> That's mostly what you get on social media. You look at the fight camps and they're painting this picture like Sean Porter is not training correctly in the sense that his sparring, he's got to go above and beyond, take David Benavides and put him in the ring with him. Kenny Porter's yelling at him uh, in, in training because Sean Porter will not execute the way he wants him to execute. And that's all fair. And then you look at Sean Porter's history and how he's lost fight and he's been in fights that haven't been fun and he's been called a lot of things. And you have Errol Spence. No one here is expecting that Sean Porter has more than a 50% chance of beating Spence. Spence is the, there is with no doubt that Errol Spence is the favorite in this fight. Errol Spence is the golden child of boxing. He really is. He's been the guy who's got next since he turned pro. When you have guys like legends, like Floyd Mayweather removed you from his camp because you gave him too, too much work. When you have rumors <laughs> that as a prospect, this is, yeah, this is I, I don't you whether it's true or not. Camp whether it's work. true or not, this is what people think. Okay, they also actually, Fred. Let's not get into this. We're, we're this is a twenty minute. Uh, this is a twenty minute. Segment. Yeah, we don't need that digression. Right I know, now. but this is like one of mine and Fred's favorite topics. Yeah, I, I got you. Um, but uh, let's do that as bonus Thomas content Hauser. at the end. Shout out Gabriel Montoya uh, for spreading lies. Um, but Sp- Spence, there's also this rumor that he's in camp with Adrian Broner and he knocks him out cold. And Spence says, I won't, I'm not saying that I did it, but ever since that day, people look at me different. Spence, like he can't walk into this fight and just get by with the win. Spence is like the future of boxing. He has to impress this fight. He has to outclass Porter. He's got to break him down. He's got to do something nobody's done to Porter before. He can't just be another guy with Porter on their resume. Like, that's the only way to that Spence is going to fulfill on the potential of what people think that he could be. And I think it's going to be incredibly hard for him. I think anyone who thinks this isn't some easy fight for, for Spence is going to have another thing coming. Sean Porter is very skilled at doing one thing, and that's making fights hard. On paper, Sean Porter should not be good. I mean, think about it. Like, he's like, the guy tries to box, but he's not that great at it. On the inside, he just gets rough and headbutts. Okay. But, like, you don't ever talk about how clean he is as a puncher. You don't ever talk about his defense. Those are all underrated aspects of Sean Porter's game, no doubt about it. But what he really excels at is making fights just... He just muddies the water in all of his fights and makes it hard for guys to walk away clearly with a win. Even the Kell Brook fight wasn't like... That wasn't an easy fight for Brook. So Spence has to walk through him, and there's a lot of pressure to do that, to be able to, to actually execute on that, because Porter's going to try like hell not to. And when you add to the fact, you add to this that P- 
Porter's chin is unbelievably like top tier in boxing, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Spence. And so I think like in this fight, Spence has to be completely impressive. He's got to dominate. Um, and it's going to be really hard. I mean, do you disagree with anything I said here, Tom, if you were just going to mount a counter argument? <laughs> no, I mean, I also said there was more pressure talk about on how Porter doesn't know how to fight or something. <laughs> well, we'll get in. I actually have a lot of positive things to say about Porter. You uh, quote some Emmy winners, but we'll get <laughs> we'll get into that coming up. But one one quick thing before we toss on to the next topic, you know, um, Spence, I believe, had an I think eleven fight knockout streak going into the Danny Garcia or the Mikey Garcia fight. So, you know, that's another thing. I think he's talked about that a lot going into this fight. Throughout his whole career, I actually got to ask Spence about this on the media call. I got to talk to pretty much everyone on the card, all the you know, both main eventers, the co-main, um, and also Mario Barrios. But, um, and um, you know, Spence throughout his whole career has never talked about going for a knockout. Pretty much, you know, he'll say like, if it happens, it happens. You know, he's always been exceedingly humble to a fault. In this fight, he has said he is going for a knockout. He has a game plan to knock. You know, his trainer said they have a game plan to knock out Sean Porter. Um, I, you know, I think he does. I think he considers that important to his brand, that he needs to get back in the knockout column, especially since it was, you know, that's a whole other conversation, but such a sort of eyebrow-raising outcome that, you know, I don't think anyone thought he was going to beat Mikey Garcia and then not knock him out. Um, <laughs> certainly Richard Dwyer had recommended hedge betting on Mikey going the distance over Spence winning by knockout. And, you know, he lost all his money because neither of those things happened. But anyway, <laughs> we, we can go out of the next uh, <laughs> Uh, Fred, why do you think people don't like Spence? There are people out there uh, that think that Spence isn't special, that Spence isn't, um, that he's some hype job. I mean, what what is your thinking about why people would come to that conclusion? I think because a lot of people uh, that watch boxing, when they saw Spence really, really early, they said, this guy is going to be something big. And so they resented that as the current people were coming up and, you know, again, they were, they were bragging up their favorites and everything. When everyone else kept saying, well, Spence is going to be the top dog. And then now that he's got there, they're still, now they're just mad <laughs> because they, because they kind of missed him. And now there's also this thing, like I said, there's all these camps. So now you got these Crawford uh, top rank fans who are saying, well, Spence has to fight, you know, Crawford. But it's like, well, if, if Spence isn't you know, that good, then why does he have to fight Crawford? It's, it's weird. It's, 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 you'll see this with a lot of boxes where people say they have to do something, but then they'll also try to say that they're nothing special. And it, it's all, I don't know why Spence, like, he doesn't have the personality to uh, have anyone hate him. You know, he's such an easygoing guy. He'll take shots at people, but he's always, you know, with a sense of comedy. He stepped it up a bit for this Porter fight because uh, I think it's Sean Porter and especially Kenny. Kenny's a Kenny's a pretty big hater. So I think, you know, Spencer's responding to that. Maybe it's because he's also friends with the Charlos, I think. You know, people people really shit on him for that for some reason because they hate the Charlos. So Spence should, should hate the Charlos. You know, why does he like these guys? You know, it's, it's all a bunch of stupid fanboy shit like there's nothing spence has done that should have anyone uh not like him it's weird like what the dude is i don't know you, you can't find a more easygoing fighter who's actually you know at the top of the game if you, if you watch the face-to-face -face, like i i think spence's gimmick is um his nickname is the truth but like if you watch the the fight camps you watch the face-to-face -face, 
I think that's legitimately his gimmick. Like in in the face to face with Sean Porter, he never talked trash to Porter. It yet it came it came off that way. And I think his gimmick is that he actually just speaks the truth. Like all the things he said to Porter, there, there was nothing spiteful about them. You know, we've seen spiteful uh, face offs between two fighters where they talked, but instead it was just like Spence said things that actually hurt. You know, he, he t- <laughs> there, there's this hilarious part of it where um, Porter's like. Or he's like, um, Porter started talking about how he didn't hurt Mikey. And he's like, you know, did he, Spence asked him, like, did you try to hurt uh, um, Porter? He's like, yes. He's like, and he says, do you think you hurt Kel Brook? And Porter says, I believe I hurt him. And Spence just says, you didn't. And, and it's just like, <laughs> there, there's nothing about it, though. He, like, he just yeah, I know the said, clip. That was uh, some, yeah, quality hate. It, it, but it, but it's not hate. It's just it's realistic. Like Spence's, and I think that's kind of what you were alluding to, Fred. Where like when Spence was coming up, all the guys that said he's got next, this is guy, this is the next guy. They were guys that were in the sport. They were the guys who would know better because he wasn't the flashy one coming out of the Olympics. That was Felix Verdejo. That was that was Oscar Valdez. That was Luke Campbell. That was Anthony Joshua. These guys looked spectacular. Spence was just kind of like you know he was just trucking along. But all these guys were like, oh, this guy's next. He's super good. And there was nothing really in the early Spence fights that would lead you to believe that this guy is going to become potentially one of the top pay-per-view draws with the exception of the people who actually are in the gyms. Those guys saying stuff about him. So I think there's also an aspect of this where maybe people don't quite understand what makes Spence this something to be excited about. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there who hate to be told how to feel about things. And when you got guys out here talking about how Spence is next, Spence is the next guy. You know, you even heard stuff like, you know, Floyd don't want nothing on a Spence, and that's why Floyd retired. You hear stuff like that. Um, that's why. It's like, no, I don't want to be told that that this Spence guy, I want to come to that conclusion for myself. You know, people want to think they're independent thinkers. Um, Tom, you have any explanation for this, or you want to, uh, I know you got some something <laughs> you want to get in, so you can probably just get it in right here if you want. Oh, no, we'll get it in a minute. Um, Yeah, I'll just shit on the premise of this completely. (laughs) I mean, from my perspective, Spence is extremely popular. I mean, we, you know, are both on, you know, Twitter to some extent, Reddit to some extent. And, you know, you see the fighters that have haters. And from my perspective, Spence is one of the most universally liked. I mean, the only thing you really see against him is people who see a battle between Crawford and Spence. I mean, I'm personally a fan of both of them. You know, people who see a battle between the two and say, I'm with Crawford, uh, which seems to significantly be people from Omaha. <laughs> um, but, you know, th- that's pretty much it. You I should mean, go I, when Kobe know, Beans mentions. You'll find him. Well, <laughs> you know, that's a whole other. I mean, people who want to go out of their way to get into Kobe Bean's firing line. I mean, I, I can't imagine that mindset. But yeah, anyway, I'm ready to move on. I just like, from my perspective, Spence is just about as universally liked as anyone. Um, so I want to know what you guys, we'll start with Tom's take here. Um, how does Sean Porter win this fight? Is there a possibility Sean Porter wins? How confident are you that he's got a real legitimate shot here? Um, what's your take on Sean Porter in this fight? Sure. You're going back to me. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I look, I've watched a lot of tape leading up to this fight. This has been a very slow boxing season. So I've been watching a lot of, uh, fights, making clips, which I'll have going out on Reddit next week. 
And, you know, there are a few really key takeaways. I mean, one, Porter, you know, is seemed to be like, you know, again, it, it's like <laughs> we're talking about haters. I mean, Porter definitely has haters. I don't really see it as much for Spence, but, you know, that he's like this low quality guy. Like, you know, I, I have him number five at welterweight. I know you said you have him number three. Um, he's, well, I think one and two is Spence and Crawford, depending on how you want to sort that. Yes. Pacquiao and Thurman are three and four. <laughs> and then, you know, Porter's after that. Um, Thurman, Thurman is not going to fight again. Probably. Thurman beat Porter and Garcia. And, you know, but anyway, that's, that's a whole other. For someone uh, who loves this fight so much, you just don't want to put any respect on Sean Porter. I think that's good. You know, it's a very stacked division. But anyway, um, look, in in all of his fights, in all of his big fights, they've either been close wins or close losses. You know, yes. that goes all the way back to when he won the title against Devin Alexander. Close win. Yes. Kel Brook, close loss. Keith Thurman, close loss. Danny Garcia, close win. Jordanis Ugas, close win. And those are all very good fighters. You know, th- this is something we've talked about, this phenomenon of some, you know, sometimes you have fighters who have a good reputation, but they're kind of a flash in the pan. You know, like they have one win and then people somehow pretend that they're pound for pound. Like, I mean, one hilarious example of that is like Victor Postal. Like uh, when he fought Terrence Crawford, people had him saying like that he was like pound for pounder. And really, if you look at his whole resume, it's pretty underwhelming, you know, had like a distance fight with Hank London, you know, all of these just like uh, and then, you know, but he knocked out Lucas Matisse on TV in a fight where Lucas Matisse had an eye injury. And then like, you know, HBO was calling him a pound for pounder. Like Sean Porter has been at the world class level for like six years, going back to when he beat Devin Alexander. And he's really entrenched himself at that level. You know, he's been in the top five at welterweight since then. And again, he's either had these close wins or close losses. No one's really moved him off of that. So I I just think the bar for success for Spence, I mean, if he can have a dominant win, even really like an 8-4-9-3 type of win, like no one else has done that, you know, let alone dominates the fight or, you know, if he gets a knockout. I mean, I just... That's that's the only thing that's really getting under my skin about the haters of this fight is like I think Spence will do well, but I think that means a lot because Porter it really is a a quality guy and he's proven that and he's proven himself to have an extremely diff- difficult style for people to deal with. Um, you know, the other just quick just sort of some tactical stuff. Porter has an extremely good jab. That's the thing he's talked about in the lead up to this. I know um, Fred was talking about how Kel Brook beat his jab, but. He has done really good work with his jab. You know, that's that's something like a lot of people think, oh, a shorter fighter isn't going to have a good jab. But you know, this is the thing Teddy Atlas always used to talk about on Friday Night Fights. For a short fighter, a jab is their best weapon because it's their quickest way to work their way inside. You know, he also uses a lot of upper body movement, a lot of unorthodox foot movement. So I feel like, again, it's I still, you know, the topic is how does Spence, how does Porter win? And it is hard to get to a win outside of like, you know, again, the type of win he had against Danny Garcia or Devin Alexander, where it was a close points win. Um, but I, I, I feel like he is, there are a lot of ways it could play out in which he could make the fight difficult for Spence and prevent Spence from taking over. I mean, he just he is able to box well enough from the outside. He does have all of these unorthodox tools in his toolbox. And if he can switch those up. I think he can get Spence off his game plan, which is really what he did in those close fights he won. He got his opponents off their game plan 
and was able to win enough minutes of the rest of the fight to eke out close decisions. And, you know, I, I think, you know, there is a possibility he could do that against Spence. You know, if you want to see the possibility of him beating Spence, watch the Danny Garcia fight, watch the Devin Alexander fights, which, you know, by the way, Devin Alexander was a southpaw. Um, for better or worse, that was really the last major southpaw opponent he's had, but he performed very well in that fight. Uh, Fred, what's your take on this? Uh, is this a, like, how competitive of a fight do you think this will be um, Saturday? Oh, competitive. I think it can be very competitive. I don't think Porter will win, though, but I think it, like he's not going to be rolled over or anything. I, I think that's a that's a bit too far. Uh, the way I just see it is that uh, Spence can do everything better. You know, if Porter likes to throw his elbows and headbutts, but <laughs> you, you can't, you know, come on, we all know that. Like that's that's pretty much you know even Spence <laughs> aired about on that. I know Spence everyone to said his face. It. You're a dirty fighter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the whole face to face was really fun. Yeah, like it's, it's Spence, like he he can mix it up and he can box and he can also uh, just slug it out. And like I said, any place where uh, Porter wants to take it, I think Spence has got the edge on him and everything. Because even we saw with Cal Brook, Cal Brook tried to pressure Spence a lot. And that didn't end well for him. Like, sure, he had success in spots, but he paid a price for it. And that's the thing. You're going to pay a price wherever you try to take Spence, you know, in a fight. And so that's just what I see. I, th- I think I think it'd be very competitive. You know, like, I, I think Spence will win, but I don't think he's just, it's not going to be like Porter versus Malinaji or something where a guy just, you know, steamrolls a dude and he's got no response. You know, P- Porter's, he's, he's, Porter's a great fighter. Yeah, I don't think either of those things is going to happen. Obviously, um, <laughs> I don't see Porter steamrolling Spence, but I also don't see uh, Spence um, really just like outclassing Porter. I really don't see that happening. Uh, I think Porter's underrated, and what I mean by that is like Porter is excellent as a B side. If you notice his best fights, where he's done his best work is when he's the underdog, when he's got somebody um, who's a little better than him in the ring. Because that's when Porter really shines. Porter's like crafted his game plan uh, or his whole fighting, um, I, I don't even know his approach really, in getting guys off of their game plans. And getting guys, basically making fights just hard, not just to watch, but hard to score and really hard to fight. Um, if you and, and Tom, you'll, you you named rattled off all the spite uh, all the fights that Porter's been in that have been really close. And the reason why those fights are really close is because of Sean Porter. He has a, a fighting style that when he employs it, and but actually, it's not even the style because we've seen him fight on the outside, we've seen him fight on the inside, and if you notice, those fights were still extremely close. And it's because Sean Porter has mastered making things look much closer than they are. And you got to give credit. His defense is actually better than, than people realize. His offense is also, um, while messy looking, is also effective enough. I mean, if, if Porter was as bad as some people like to talk about him, he would have been beaten decisively at some point. And to this point, to this day in his career, he has not just been outclassed. You know, he's not taking a Mikey Garcia type of loss. And um, if... Porter's so first of all I do think Porter's going to have success in this fight and I do think that this fight isn't going to be some walk in the park for Spence Spence is going to have to work here Porter is he's just too good of of a fighter to make this easy for Spence and I and I, I know Spence really 
if you had a similar take for the Mikey fight, you know, he dispelled that. Where, like, Mikey was going to either box him or get knocked out. And no, Spence just completely outboxed him. And you can say that, well, his size, his power was able to keep Mikey from really getting anything going fine. But um, Spence is highly skilled, okay? But Porter is not going to roll over for him. And if Porter starts to turn this fight into like a skirmish fight, and what I mean by that is like it's mostly a lot of standing around, but every so often they jump in and exchange. If that becomes that, if it becomes that kind of fight, Spence is in trouble because Porter is super good at making those exchanges impossible to tell who wins. And that's how he had a close fight with Thurman. You know, that's how he had a close fight with Danny Garcia. Those fights had skirmishes where, I mean, in the Danny Garcia fight, Garcia clearly landed the harder punches. Yet Porter was able to to erase it by just landing more and making it look obvious that he was winning exchanges and therefore the fight. So if he can do that against Spence, Spence is in trouble. And even if Porter doesn't hurt Spence, even if it's close, that's still going to be like Spence can't afford for this fight to be really close where we walk away and say that could have went either way. Um, If Porter executes that game plan, this is going to be tough for Spence. I I do think Spence is going to win, but I don't think it will be easy either way. Even if Porter struggles to, to do this, I think Porter is physical enough that it, it's not going to be the easiest fight for Spence. Um, you guys want to move on or should we keep going? Yeah, um, I want to... Oh. Wait, were you like one of the 100 people that actually went to Porter's fight in LA or something? <laughs> Man, you're like wasn't. all over Porter. I couldn't, go over, I couldn't go to that fight. I'm not buying that Porter can rough up Spence. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I I'm actually want to go on to the, I want to take the opposite. So, yeah, ah. Fred, tell us what's actually going to happen and how Spence could win. Because let's spend some, let's spend a minute doing that. I think Spence is going to beat his ass. That's pretty much all I think. You <laughs> said, like you said, winning those exchanges. Yeah, but that's the thing when Porter wants to try to sell an exchange, Spence isn't there to sell an exchange. He's there to beat your ass. If you want to bring it inside, he's going to hurt you. And like, again, that's what Cal Brook tried. You know, I'm going to flurry, I'm going to come inside, I'm going to push him around, and the dude ends up with a broken eye socket. You know, like, Spence isn't there to mess around. He's not there looking, you know, he can go for the points, but if, if Porter wants to sort of do a little flim-flam show for the judges, he's going to get clocked. You know, it's, it's not going to work. I'm going Spence all in. I, I'm not even going to hedge. I don't care. Wrong or not, Spence is the truth. Now is time to show everyone... Thurman, this whole Thurman, Porter, Garcia air, it's over. Truth is here. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with that, but I, I what, and I don't mean that Porter can rough up Spence, but if he gets into those exchanges where it's a rough fight on the inside, sure, I, I think Spence still edges, but that's not the fight that, that Spence needs. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying if, 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 if Porter comes in thinking, oh, I can score here by looking active, Spence, if he, if he comes in that close, Spence isn't looking to say, oh, well, can I win in the judges? his eyes he's looking to take out porter's skull you know he's going to be hammering the piss out of him well you the, know? the counter to that would be well why didn't he do that against mikey because mikey didn't want to go anywhere near him <laughs> you know mikey's mikey's far more talented than porter okay you know, that is far more skilled you know and he's far he's faster and that's it he mikey tried to come in a couple times and spence clipped him and he's like oh, okay i'm not doing that and that's why the fight looked like it way it was you know, Spence, that whole fight was Spence showing people I can box. I think Porter's one of the few fighters in the sport that's willing to sell out in, in order to land shots. I it's think just that, here, everyone likes Sean Porter. He's a nice guy. You know, I don't especially know about now that. he's got the TV. Apparently, thing. Tom doesn't no, like but, him. Well, no, but I'm saying <laughs> people like his TV persona, people that know him, they, you know, they get along with him, apparently. You know, 
He's, he's, a nice he's guy. very personable. Yeah, well, yeah, it's like Tom. everyone in the interview. Yeah, it's like he's widely liked in the sport. Like people widely like. He makes Sean Tom feel sport. safe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I just I, I I think Spence is something different. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna answer that as well. Yeah, because it's like it's like the ending of Clue, like that old movie. It's like they went through like this could have happened. This also might have happened. But here's what actually happened. One of the happened. all-time yeah. great movies. I love Clue. Yeah. I'm glad someone else remembers that. Um, but yeah, it's the like... Maid? Wow. Uh, <laughs> event, wow. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it's like, look, I, I played the devil's advocate. I said, here's how Porter could have success. Yeah, success. Yeah, I mean, look, I am both rooting for Spence and predicting, you know, it's like I'm not going to pretend to have journalistic integrity here. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm rooting for Spence and I think he's going to win. I mean, uh, you just look watching both of their fights it's like i mean just one very quick thing it's striking how much more experience john porter has at this level like spence you watch like the brook fight lamont peterson fight my here you know there's not a whole lot you know to watch as far as high level fights but um porter there's a lot but it's like you look at how many ways that even when porter is being successful he's only successful by like a 60 40 margin you know it's like he'll try to come in from the outside and use a lot of head movement and sometimes he gets in and looks great or lands a leaping left hook from the outside and sometimes he leaps in and like kelbrook like jams a jab down his throat you know or like he tries to bob and weave coming in and your dennis ugas drops body shots in from the outside it's like great your head's moving when you're bobbing and weaving but the center of mass is in the same place and i'm just going to watch drop body shots in there it's like porter has does have an excellent jab i would say you know he 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 has a very very good underrated jab i think that's counter a lot of people don't think that he would you know because he's so short but he has an excellent jab but spence has an even better jab and with that height and reach advantage you know he can jab porter to the body it just seems like at any dimension spence can win a fight from the outside spence can win a fight from the inside and I, I don't see that he has a way to get away from Spence in the way that Mikey Garcia did. I mean, that's I'm still scratching my head a little bit at how Mikey was able to go the distance. But, you know, you, you can sort of piece it together. Like at a certain point, like Fred said, he went into survival mode. If you're not trying to win the fight, and you're just trying to survive completely. Then, you know, you have more ways to survive. He was backing up very intelligently, you know, again, to survive, not to land. And he was doing a good enough job of picking off Spence's shots that, you know, that also helped. It's not worth getting into that too much, but I don't see those things happening with Porter. I mean, I think uh, Spence should be able to nullify anything Porter can do. And, um, you know, if Spence starts to get the advantage, I think he'll just be able to push the advantage. But like I said, I mean, just because I see that's happening, that's because I think Spence is so good and I think, again, that that should be considered a, a very good win for him if he can pull that off, as we've described. But, yeah, I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, it's like we've said, yeah, it's like there's definitely a way for Porter to win or at least to make it a very competitive fight. But that's, in my gut, not what I think is going to happen. Okay, Mr. Green, I have something that may uh, interest you guys. I just got word that um, Roku... If you have a Roku, your screensaver is probably an advertisement for the Spence Porter pay-per-view. Not bad, Oh, huh? wow. That's pretty cool. Um, okay, Fred, what do you think is going to be like a success for this pay-per-view in terms uh, of its buys? Well, this is the thing. Uh, no one really knows. Like People are saying, well, it's got to be you know more than 200000 or something. Uh, Fox wants it on pay-per-view, so it, it, the Fox obviously... Th- doesn't care you know they want to build up these fighters it's not like they're going to suddenly retreat from the sport if this doesn't mean it's match like i said this is why it's so different from 
a promoter taking it to pay-per-view and when it's Fox, you know, again, this is, this is Fox. This is the edge they get that they didn't have in the UFC. You know, when they're only supposedly putting up 60 million up front and they're paying 200 million for UFC. Well, they've got 140 million really of savings that they have, you know, so, so it's not like they're looking, oh, we're going to suddenly go out of business if this thing doesn't go ahead. You know, they're, they're going to, they don't care. They want to build up these guys at the stars and they know some fights will be bigger than others. This, this whole, the, the, the pay-per-view argument of that whole, it's got to hit a certain mark. That's more when it was HBO and Showtime uh, going head to head, like after they got uh, Floyd, you know. Again, like I said, you look at Oscar De La Hoya's history, and he Oscar was the king of pay-per-view. And like, he had a lot of 300,000, 400,000 fights. You know, I and that was a told huge you my push. take yesterday. You're saying it. Uh, but I said that before. <laughs> you know, I, I know I've said that before on the podcast, you know. But th- but that's the thing. So I didn't know if that was, well, if you were put in the notes, I wouldn't have stole it. So. <laughs> it's okay. I got no. more. I got more. So So success... Uh, because it's Fox and Fox is the only one, they're not going to tell anyone what they're expecting. So anything, you know, but really anything above 200 K will be seen on this level of fights. Like if, if we just remove everything, anything over 200 K is going to be a huge success. Well, if we look at the history of pay-per-view, like there are so many people that don't really understand the way it works and you alluded to it, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about it but like i don't know you and i i know at least us two because i've i've spoken you know we've now spoken for years now um over this the over the course of the last i don't know how many years like we keep hearing about a million buys as like this imaginary number that defines the success of a pay-per-view and it's a good whole number and i and i and i like it but it's just not true you know, if you go back to uh, the Robert Guerrero fight, um, people thought that was a failure. Floyd does 700,000 buys on a pay-per-view and people got up in arms about how low that number was and, and all this stuff, you know. It's just completely off the mark. If we looked at the average pay-per-view buy, the average number, we took all the pay-per-views that I could find, um, which is well in excess of 100, you know, if we looked at all the pay-per-views, we strip away Mayweather, we strip away Pacquiao, we strip away De La Hoya, and we strip away Tyson. Because these are the quote-unquote kings. And I don't think it's fair to compare Errol Spence and Sean Porter to those guys. You know, history has told us those guys are special. What's the average pay-per-view? I'm curious to hear what you have to say. 430,000. And that's including several fights that did very well. You know, you yeah, I was going to say there are a few fights that really bring up the average. Yeah. And then there are some really, really low ones. Can you guys guess? There's a there's a pay-per-view that I don't hear get spoken about. It's one of the most egregious pay-per-views of all time. It did well, there are a lot of undeserving 000. pay-per-views, but uh, yeah, I'm curious HBO what it will be. HBO pay-per-view in 2011, I believe it was. No, no, it might have been a little later than that. Marcos Maidana fought Eric Morales on pay-per-view. Oh, wow. Did less than 50,000 buys. People want to talk about fights that shouldn't be on pay-per-view. You had a welterweight unification here, and they somehow justified Eric Morales, who had coming off, who was coming off of a win in Tijuana against a guy with eight losses against Marcos Maidana, who was also coming off a loss. Um, I don't know about that. Okay, 
if you remove Canelo from the number because Canelo has some peaks and I think we would lump Canelo in and unfortunately he's moved to days and so he doesn't get to join the legendary stratosphere of Mayweather, Pacquiao, and De La Hoya or Tyson until maybe the days and deal ends. Unlikely Canelo fights after that. But anyway, then the average drops to like 390. And so the typical number that we hear, I think Tom, uh, Tom you, you've got it in your notes. Fred, I think you mentioned it, is around 200,000. In the for history a big, of for success, a clear yeah, success. That's like the yeah. break even number. I think Bob Arum is the one who said that. Um, yeah, but that depends. I think it's actually lower, you know. Well, it depends on the purses, and I'll get into that. But, like, yeah, of all the pay-per-views that I, I have info for, and that's well over 100. It's, like, in 120-something. Only 29 pay-per-views have ever been more than 1 million. 25% of pay-per-views have been over a million buys. So you tell me, what actually defines success? Is it the thing that's 25%? Think about that. And, like, it doesn't logically makes sense that a million would be the successful number if only 25% have done it because wouldn't you think these networks would get wise and say oh well if we're not if we're if we're only like batting 250 on this let's just not even do it we're wasting our money and like if you think about the guaranteed purses for like these lower level pay-per-views and Spence Porter at this point I think we can it's fair to say a lower level pay-per-view now it's not Maidana Morales lower it's not Crawford Postal lower, but it's lower. And generally, the guarantees are between 8 and 10 million. I think that's fair to say. There was a 3 million guarantee for Mikey and Spence the first time around, which will put it at 6. Well, if you take the, the, the stance that 10 million is the guaranteed purses, well, you only need to do 150,000 pay-per-views, and then you're already breaking even. So it kind of works out that some of these pay-per-views that we've clowned on in the past, well, they're probably successful. You know, Golovkin, Lemieux, probably successful. Pro- probably nobody lost money there. So then you factor in the fact that Fox offers online distribution as well as HBO, uh, sorry, not HBO, Showtime, and um, ESPN, they offer their own distribution, which cuts out uh, having to uh, split money with a distributor, and there you have uh, an even lower number. So I think... Just knowing that helps you to figure out, well, what would be successful? And I think 250 to 300,000 pay-per-view buys would be successful. I see this doing about 320, which would be more than enough to cover all the purses and, and, be, and keep everyone happy because they're all going to get some money. Um, Tom, you have anything to respond uh, to that? Yeah, I mean, look, super fast. I mean, I think the original thing was how would you define a success? I mean, I think in terms of buys, I'll, I'll just, you know, just rough math says that about 200,000 is probably the break even. I, I just, I don't know why people are being so bearish about this. Like, you know, Spence has done great ratings on TV when he's been on TV. He's done great gates in fights, you know, even outside of the Mikey Garcia fight. You look at the Mikey Garcia fight, they got 47,000 people fight did about you know 350 to 400,000 pay-per-view buys which is a great number. He's on a great trajectory for his pay-per-view career. You know, I'd put some numbers together. I'll just paraphrase. There's probably not a better place to get into this, but if you compare when Floyd had his first pay-per-view to Spence, Spence was slightly older than Floyd when uh, than when Floyd fought Gotti, you know, he was something like 8 months older when he fought um Garcia, but he was 2 years younger in his career. And the fights did roughly the same amount of pay-per-view buys. And if you look at um floyd's trajectory after that like the judah fight did 
which is his next pay-per-view, did a little bit more than that. The Car- Carlos Baldomir did, you know, he, for those next few fights, yeah, he was in the like 300 to 400,000 range. I mean, that's always been the conventional wisdom I've always heard, you know, as long as I've been following boxing, is generally once someone reaches the pay-per-view level, like we heard about that with Canelo and Richard Schaefer was moving him over to pay-per-view, that it was like, once you get into that market, it can be self-sustaining because, you know, there's a certain audience for pay-per-views there you know the people who buy boxing pay-per-views there there's a wide overlap from event to event so you know once you introduce them to that audience then you can grow from that once you get onto pay-per-view you're exposed to a lot more marketing you know and this is just in the old back when the cable companies were marketing it now with you know you have this huge fox push fox is putting a huge push behind it you know porter i mean we've argued why he's a good b-side he had those huge ratings on the broner fight which was on nbc on a pbc broadcast the Thurman fight, which was on CBS, had huge ratings. The um, Ugas fight even had like very solid ratings as well. His profile is hugely up since he's been doing the inside PBC boxing show. I mean, you know, there's so much buy-in from Fox on this event specifically, um, so much NFL exposure. It's just like, I don't know. I, I don't really get where the, you know, there's there's a guy on Twitter who talks about boxing business stuff and i feel like people waste too much energy rebutting him like when people are saying like there's no way this actually listening to him this could well (laughs) anyway there's no way that this could hit two hundred thousand people you know it's like yeah you're a moron even what are you even arguing against you know it's like maybe i'll end up being wrong but it's like the doom and gloom about it doesn't really make sense to me well you know a part of that also might have to do with the fact that originally coppinger who tweets out literally every variation of all news he tweeted that this possibly would be on regular Fox, and I think that created um, like a an expectation among boxing fans that when it wasn't met, kind of pissed them off a bit. If this was just if we always knew that Spence's next fight was going to be on pay per view, maybe people would feel different about it. Yeah, but we knew it was going to be on pay per view, so it's like, well, I wonder who fed that well, into not, a. Not everybody chair. listens to this podcast. I know, but Daryl Spence said it himself. He says his next well, fight's going to be pay per view. I don't want to overstate no more that. Him. I mean, like. Coppinger's audience of those tweets is like, you know, a few hundred and then it, you know, filters out into the boxing world a little bit. I mean, I don't know. I'm not getting too, too bent up on that, but I mean, look, I'm super looking forward to it. I already bought it. I think it's going to do well. I I don't want to dwell more on the doom and gloom. That doesn't really seem that well-founded. Yeah. I just like to mention one thing here that uh, Manny Pacquiao versus Eric Morales was on HBO. 345,000. Yes. Then Bob Arum, because HBO didn't want to put him on, he put him on against Oscar Larios, and he did 120. Legendary fight. Another top rank one, Manny Pacquiao versus Jorge Solis, oh, 150. Don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> See, but that's what I'm saying. And But Manny Pacquiao is the number two most successful pay-per-view fighter of all time. And so now you've got two guys, David Diaz, 206,000. <laughs> you know, so he didn't have... He wasn't this massive success every fight. So now you got Spence who had one pay-per-view, which did way more than people thought. Like, people were shitting on that Mikey Garcia fight. They didn't think it was going to sell either. Yeah, the same guy who said this can't do 200,000 said that couldn't do 100,000. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. Know? They're like, it's not going to break 100,000. You know, and it's over 400,000. So, and this one, so now you got Sean Porter, who's never fought on pay-per-view. You know, so when you, when you take guys who haven't fought on pay-per-view, they're going to have a lower profile. So, but so it's like anything's going to be successful. This is how you got to build up guys for the future, and I think it's it's mostly people pissy that pay per view is still around, you know. But of course, it's going to be around. It's how guys make money. 
Yeah, um, Manny Pacquiao's got a lot of misses if you if you really look at it outside of fighting Floyd. Um, he's only done five pay-per-views that did over a million. And this is a guy who's fought on pay-per-view, I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, like 15, 16 times. Well, just to rebut that, I mean, uh, go actually, back to what you Pacquiao's just said. fought I mean... on pay-per-view over 20 times. He's only got a handful of pay-per-views that did over a, a million, not including Floyd and Oscar. I think we should take those out um, when you're fighting the other legitimate megastars of pay-per-view. But that's yeah. usually how it is, though. You know, it's like, you know, a million isn't the bar for success. A million is a grand slam. You know, sure. I, I mean, and these are arbitrary things anyway. I mean, it's like an event is a success if the people get paid, you know, and it, it's like, it's just stupid. I don't know. I, I, I we're just going around. Does circles. the promoter need to show up? <laughs> <laughs> well, there are no promoters for this one. Remember? Oh, okay. G will be there, but, you know. So- they're not signed to him. Uh, what was I was gonna make that the other thing with too when they say success, people always think boxing just makes money on pay per view and the gate. You know, it, it's not. They get sponsorships. You know, they've got Fox putting in money. It it so it's it's not like these. Yeah, like I said it's, Fox isn't gonna go out of business. You know, if this thing doesn't do like three four hundred thousand buys, it's just they're yeah. building these guys up. So so everyone is getting a little too. Again, in that million number, I'm pretty sure Raphael worked that million number to try to hammer on Floyd if he didn't make a million. Ooh, conspiracy you know. theory that Dan Raphael has this agenda against Floyd Mayweather. Well, no, but I'm pretty sure he's the one that pushed the idea that Floyd had to hit a million or everyone was going to lose money, which, as we knew, that's back when he signed that Showtime Fred deal. Fred says that's no and then doubles down. <laughs> well, it's, it is, because I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I know for I'm not sure disagreeing I with read you. it. Yeah, I know for sure he, he said it when uh, he got signed to Showtime, but I think he was using it even before then. Do you remember when that happened? I remember like we were talking and, and how we were like, the, the tide is turning, like Showtime after they got Floyd and then all of um, Golden Boy went over to Showtime, how everything was always super pro HBO. Showtime always used to get the short end of the stick in all of the boxing coverage. And then all of a sudden you see these writers putting Showtime over all of a sudden. Yeah, that one year when uh, I think the word sort of got out. Yeah, uh, no, they were they hated on Showtime that first year. Oh, then that would put it at 2014, which was a uh, year. So it, it, funny how how long that lasted because the following year PBC debuts and we're back on it. Yeah, yeah, no, because Showtime had that one big year where they announced all the fights and HBO was really scaled back, and then everyone jumped over to Showtime saying how great they were. But no, 2013, they were hating on it because that's when R- Raphael and Ioli were trying to read the earnings report from CBS and doing a horrible job of it. And that's just kind of made me sad that they couldn't read an earnings report. But yeah. <laughs> they were like, sad. they only made 2.7? No, no. Well, it was Ioli because Ioli thought they had a loss because on like an earnings report, it'll say uh, losses in brackets. But that only means if the number's in brackets, it's a loss. But because it said that Ioli didn't know the difference that they actually made money. So, Wow. Yeah. Ioli emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're not oh, in yeah. Discord, you, you need to be back, to see that emoji. Back at the 2013, those guys hated Showtime so much. It was just it was ridiculous. Because you know? Max Kellerman told him to because Al Heyman paid <laughs> yeah, Andre yeah, yeah. Berto a million dollars after yeah. a fight against Victor Ortiz that did over 1.5 million viewers. Yes, and was declared the fight of the year. But Al Heyman was Al Heyman was ruining the boxing because he's asking too much and 
Now Sergey Daryunchenko is getting five and a half million as a B side. Yeah. No, notice how I, I mean, shout out to Sir, Sergey Daryunchenko. I don't even care if he wins this fight. Sergey Daryunchenko yeah. is a winner. Oh yeah, he's a winner. Yeah, get every cent you can, man. Um. Anyway, uh, what does Keith Connolly is uh the guy we should um be shouting out? He, he, him. He got Derevchenko and Danny Jacobs paid. Keith Connolly, he knows how to work Eddie Hearn. That's probably what it is. <laughs> he's figured yeah, it he's out. He's made a fortune for his guys, peeling them off the PBC and like you know getting an enormous amount of money from these rival promoters. I mean, even guys like Luis Colazo, we got a fortune to get him to fight on some top rank cards. Luis Colazo was going to headline a card at a stadium here in L.A. before uh, Jose Benavides. Um, I don't know what happened, but uh, he couldn't fight. He might have been caught illegally street racing. Yeah, and then they had to have Navarrete there and sell 1,500 tickets. But anyway, this is, we're getting way off topic. Uh, it, I'm pretty sure it wasn't that much. But anyway, what outcome does Spence need in this fight for him to take the next step in his stardom? What outcome does he need? Who are you throwing to? Uh, Fred. Uh, well, for stardom, uh, for for big stardom, probably a big uh, a big victory, like a knockout. A knockout will really cement them as the guy, you know. Like Roman Reigns? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> big That's dog. wrestling, right? I only know he's a wrestler. I don't know what he does. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Spence, to, to, to really hit the star thing, I think a really impressive showing, like a, a one-sided beatdown will show him as a star. Like I, I think he'll still be, uh, any kind of victory will line up. But yeah, a, a big knockout comes because then he gets, if he gets, if he gets a knockout, then if Pacquiao doesn't want to fight him, then that starts to, he starts to become the boogeyman. Yeah, that can, that, that builds his legend. I think it's really hard to tell because Spence doesn't quite fit into the mold of the previous pay-per-view stars that we've had. He doesn't fit Floyd's mold. Spence isn't going to talk like that. I mean, Floyd talked over 2 million people into buying his fight with Oscar. Okay. And Oscar had never done a number like that. Um, Manny Pacquiao had a charm about him and he had the Filipino people. He also ran through a bunch of Mexican fighters that endeared him. I'm sure to them. So like, Spence doesn't quite fit into any sort of formula. So, like, it's really hard to say, like, does he need a, a knockout here? Like, I'm not even sure he needs a knockout. Like, does he need, like, is he okay to just outclass Sean Porter for 12 rounds and just box him? I mean, that worked for Floyd, but maybe that won't work. I mean, it's just really hard for me to read, like, what is Spence's gimmick here that he's working? And, and the other thing is, like, we spend so much time using the past to inform our takes for the future. Uh, or for right now and like spence doesn't really fit into any mold from any pay-per-view star that we've seen from the past so like really it's hard to just kind of see where he's going because we've never been here before and like a lot of boxing fans get frustrated about that i think this happens generally in sports people get frustrated about that because you have you, you it's hard to just let it unfold to just let him be him like Spence may, we may look back in 10 years and say, well, now we have the Spence mold, you know, and, and it's done in a way that Spence has done it. So I, I'm not sure. I, I think history tells us that a knockout will work. Um, you're absolutely right on the money, Fred. It, um, he becomes a boogeyman if he knocks out Crawford and then, or sorry, not Crawford, but eventually, but um, knocks out Porter and then Manny Pacquiao chooses to fight Mikey Garcia. Uh, that's, that would be telling for, for Spence. And maybe that's what he needs. He needs Pacquiao to not want to fight him. 
What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think in terms of like what fanboy arguments am I going to have to rebut <laughs> as far as like the barrier for success? I think, you know, a knockout would certainly be amazing. You know, it, it's the whole thing of like he had this great knockout streak coming into the Mikey fight, didn't didn't get it or didn't go to it, depending on what version of that you you want to think. But um, a knockout here gets him right back in, you know, the picture of being, you know, a boogeyman of the sport, not just the welterweight division. I mean, Porter, like we said, has, you know, so such a record of world class performances and by world class, I mean, like, say, like top five, top 10 at 147 for so long. It's like that would be so far above what Brooke did fighting Porter. And that was Brooke before he got, you know, busted up by Golovkin or and so far above Thurman where like that was as close to Thurman's prime as any performance you would see in Thurman's career. You know, whatever that means as far as his prime. Um you know, and again, goes without saying above like Danny Garcia, who who actually lost, you know, so I, I think a dominant win is enough to be considered successful. If he just gets a close decision, then not so good. That definitely hurts his reputation. As far as on the financial side, I think anything above 250,000 buys reputationally is solid. You know, that's comfortably above the level Golovkin ever did without fighting Canelo. It's comfortably above the word Kovalev fights, it's comfortably above what Crawford did against Amir Khan. You know, everyone's getting paid at that point. No one's going to say, you know, people lost money on the event. I think anything above that, you know, again, reputationally uh, is gravy at that point. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much more there is to say about the topic. Um, I think we've, we've said, like, at least, you know, Fred and I are pretty confident Spence is going to do well in the fight. And I think all three of us agree that it's probably going to perform well. Um, you know, I mean, there is an argument also on the negative side of the financial stuff, but it it it, it feels like it's going to do pretty well, and I think it will. So, I, I, yeah, it's like those are the two bars, and I think he'll hit both of them. I think the other thing is, like, if he just keeps winning, that might be enough. Because Spence, with specifically with the Fox thing, but also the... the the close relationship that he has with football. Um, today on the Packers game, the guy who is the color analyst, um, he's like some former player, uh, dude's from Texas, and um, they did the promo uh, for Spence Porter. And he just came out and says like, oh, that guy's from Tech, he's from Texas, I'm rooting for him. And like it was, that's not like, they didn't work that in. That's just a natural reaction to that knowing about this fight. Like, that's the kind of stuff that we need. Like, people who endorse um, Spence and, in turn, boxing. You know, Spence is the, is the vehicle in which boxing is using right now to get bigger. And, uh, I don't know, another aspect that we can look at is, like, how does Spence become a star? Well, I don't know. Just what did Friday Night Lights do? Friday Night Lights seemed to make Texas athletes pretty popular. I don't know. Shout out Friday Night Lights. Um, but it, assuming Spence wins, like, and the, the end game is Spence is the number one pay-per-view draw in boxing. Well, what do you think should be next for him? Uh, well, that's yeah. a, uh, hmm, that's a tough thing. Of course, what he would want is Pacquiao, but I don't think Pacquiao wants him. Not, especially maybe not the, maybe a second fight, you know, if Manny fights twice a year, he might consider it. But I don't think Manny wants to fight Spence in his first fight back. I think Manny wants to make some more money before he takes a risk like that, which is understandable. 
because he might lose to Mikey Garcia, but he's not going to get beat up by Mikey Garcia. So, so, so that's what he wants. And then there's Crawford there, you know. So he he's he's got fights to go. Thurman, if Thurman's healed up by then, you he's know, like I said, yeah, yeah, well, you know, like I said, I'm a I have faith in Thurman. You know, dude gets injured. Oh, all of a sudden, someone has faith in Thurman. I, well, I I think I think Thurman still wants to fight. You know, he's he wants just, to fight you. <laughs> yeah, he's just very injury prone, which is you know it happens in the sport. And then yeah, that was a pretty rough fight too against Pacquiao. Uh, so, so, so yeah, it was just a point of a star, like a knockout makes Spence a star. A victory, he's still a star. Like this guy's like Jerry Jones loves this guy. You know, Jerry Jones runs the the, the most popular football team you know in the NFL. So he's got that guy in his corner. So so he's already on sort of star level. So he'll he'll get there. So so, but that's it. If if he if he has a big knockout against Porter, then that's it. He's got a lot of fights. And of course, if if Top Rank wants to make that fight, even though it's going to be the, the the Spence's edge, it's all it'll be Spence's world if he has a big knockout. Uh, but there's there's a lot of fights for him. You know, he's got a mandatory though. But uh, who oh, is that? What? Doesn't he have a mandatory coming up? Oh, nobody cares about that stuff. Mm. But he does. So so that'll probably people be, use yeah. that's that's how that's what people do. They use mandatory fights to undermine the fighter because they're fulfilling obligations as world champions. But whatever. No, but I mean but so so he could do a mandatory and again, uh if he doesn't get Pacquiao right away, he could do a mandatory and once again go back to and, and be on Fox, you know, and be at Jerry's world again. You know. Steven Espinosa just staring daggers at you right now. Walt you can do it on Showtime too. Um, right. Actually, Espinosa would love that because he said we want um, got these guys to go to Fox because when they come back, they get bigger. Um, Tom, what do you think? What is the, the next move for Spence if his end game is to take over as the preeminent pay-per-view draw in the sport? Well, I think this is probably a better question for next Sunday than before the fights even happen. But um, you can say old Porter. To, yeah, well. I don't even mean that. I just mean like, you know, it's like a don't count your uh, eggs before or chickens before they're hatched, you know, but we want to um, turn this into a comedy podcast next week. If we're wrong, then you can go back and listen and laugh <laughs> at us. Sure, sure. Yeah. But just as far as like the range of outcomes, I mean, I think if it does in the neighborhood of 300 something, I think, you know, we could definitely see more Spence pay-per-views like Danny Garcia on pay-per-view, Keith Thurman on pay-per-view already talked about before. Yeah, I know Keith Thurman's injured, but I think we'll see him back in the ring. Look, Sergio Martinez fought Miguel Cotto with, you know, <laughs> you know, zero out of two legs functioning properly. Um, you know, fighters will Still go Still took Cotto 10 time. rounds to get rid of him. Yeah, very true. Um, you know, it, it's just interesting, like Fred was talking about with the Pacquiao thing. It's like Pacquiao, Pacquiao Thurman did well enough both financially and, you know, in terms of Pacquiao's performance, that I think they can probably stretch that a little bit. Like, I, I, I said for a while that I thought Spence Pacquiao was realistic when a lot of people have said, oh, there's no way Pacquiao is getting near Spence. It's like fighters almost always go for the biggest paycheck. I think as that relates to Spence, though, if he can't bring in a substantial amount of buys, Pacquiao doesn't really have a good reason to fight him because I think the logic will just be I can make mostly the same amount of money fighting another guy you know i'm the a side and the b side doesn't matter that much you could see him instead fighting danny garcia or mikey garcia or both 
if he feels he can do four or 500,000 buys, you know, seeing the Broner fight and then the Thurman fight saying, I'm the common denominator here. If Spence starts to do a higher number, then you start to say, okay, you know, you have two huge A sides, you pair them off. That's going to be a massive fight. It's worth doing it. But, you know, I think so Spence needs to hit a certain number for it to make sense. Again, kind of the irony here is like, if Spence does well enough, then he kind of doesn't need the Pacquiao fight as much either. You know, it's like if a Pacquiao-Spence fight is going to do close to a million or something like that, and he can do around 500,000 in some of these other fights, like they might stretch that out for another year or two. Like, I don't think anyone thought that a year ago, like, you know, before Pacquiao-Broner, Pacquiao-Thurman. But it's like he did well enough in those fights, it looks like they actually could let that marinate a bit. Like, it looks like you could do another fight or two or three and it wouldn't really diminish the potential value against Spence. You know, it's like Fred said, he, you know, Mike, Pacquiao could lose against Mikey Garcia, but if he loses a decision to Mikey Garcia, it's not like his his clout in the marketplace is going to drop to zero, you know. So um, Spence is actually, just to throw out one more thing before we move on, Spence has actually um, floated that if he doesn't get the Pacquiao fight, he will go for the Crawford fight. And I, I do believe that, like, Spence is the guy who went to England to fight Kell Brook for his title. You know, he's taken risks in his career in order to move it to the next level. I think there's a strong argument that, you know, the same thing I was just saying, like, if this doesn't do well enough, Pacquiao wouldn't need to fight him because there's an argument it wouldn't do that well. Like, you know, so many people are fixated on this Crawford fight. I think there's a strong argument that guys like, you know, Thurman and maybe even Porter are bigger B-sides against Spence than Crawford, you know? Uh, the Ooh, boxing world would is, lose their mind for again, the Crawford Tom, fight, but just saying financially speaking. Yeah, I think there's a strong argument that guys like Thurman or Porter, I mean, especially Thurman, could be a bigger fight with Spence than Crawford. I mean, look at Crawford. Like, he his numbers are like through the roof. Uh, Danny Garcia, again, it, it's possible. Like, Danny Garcia has had really good numbers. You know, he's done over 10,000 tickets numerous times at the Barclays Center. Um, you know, his fight against Amir Khan was much bigger than Crawford's. Has fight he done sixteen thousand in Omaha? You know, that's and, <laughs> you're right, exactly. You know, um, I, I don't think was Crawford's high number even that high. I thought it was more like thirteen thousand. You know, it's Relax. like you have Crawford's. Oh man, Tom, come big on! Big homecoming fight is like credit. thirteen thousand tickets. Spence's big homecoming fight in Texas is forty-seven thousand. You know, it's it's like relax. Anyway. Um, we can move on, but the point is, if Spence feels he needs to take that fight to move the fight to the next level to gain, you know, pound for pound number one status, whatever, I think I think we could actually see that fight happen. I mean, I I, I don't I think he and his team are very confident that that fight can happen, and I think regardless of the outcome here, they have a strong case for being the A side going into those negotiations. Anyway, uh, ready to move. That's well well enough about the, that. Topic. The, the final aspect of this is like, I don't think this is really in Spence's hands, and like. If you followed Floyd's and, and Manny's career, what becomes really clear is that they benefited from their existence. And what I mean by that is Floyd's numbers were good because Pacquiao existed. And same with Pacquiao. Those guys existed as the perfect foils for each other. And because there was so much interest in just those two guys, um, their numbers for a long stretch were very high. I mean, Oscar never had that, and that's why his numbers dipped. If you look at Oscar's numbers, they weren't consistently, you know, great. Floyd's numbers were consistently great. Manny had a long stretch where his numbers were consistently just, they were smashes. 
And that's because they had each other. And De La Hoya didn't have that. You have fights where he just dropped to like 500,000 after doing 1.4. That's crazy. A million people, almost a million people tuned out. Um, and so Spence's success is going to depend on Terrence Crawford. If they don't want to rush that fight and do it immediately, it's, it's going to require Crawford to do his part and to elevate his game. Because if Crawford exists as Spence's foil, um, both of those guys will benefit long-term. And, and, and realistically, neither guy's great at promoting. I mean, F- Floyd Mayweather took Oscar De La Hoya from like a one-point-something fighter into two-point-something, you know, and that was off of promotion, like legit promotion, not like, you know, putting up banners that was like talking people into the arena. And so I, I think these guys, if, if the goal is the big fight between these two, it is going to have to take place at some point in the future. And these guys need to continue to be great. And so far, so good. Both guys have looked great so far. Um, you guys want to, how many fights in, the, so like I talked a little earlier about like the history of pay-per-view and um, specifically like the top 10 that don't include Floyd, Manny, Oscar, or Mike Tyson. I'm going to read you the top 10. I just want to get your thoughts on this. It's a little history lesson. The number one, you guys want to guess who was the A-side of the number one pay-per-view fight that didn't include Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya, or Mike Tyson? Uh, Miguel Cotto. Fred. What's the question again? <laughs> who was the A-side on the most profitable, the, 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 the most the biggest pay-per-view that did not feature Floyd Mayweather, Manny Pacquiao, Oscar De La Hoya, or Mike Tyson. I think God, you're going to get this. No, if it's not Cotto, then I don't know. I'm a little rusty on these all these numbers. Evander Holyfield versus George Foreman, 1.4. Oh, 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 shit. Yeah, the fuck I completely forgot about Holyfield. What about number two? Uh, I don't know. This is going to piss off Fred. Or maybe make him happy, I don't know. It's Canelo Golovkin. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, three or something. Yeah, there's only six pay-per-views in the top ten pay-per-views of all time that don't include Floyd, Manny, Oscar, or Mike Tyson. Only I the missed top that six. you hadn't mentioned Canelo. Yeah, Canelo would have been my guess otherwise. If you if Taking out those four guys, like the top six are one million and over, and then everything is below it. It's crazy how this, this, this myth of the one million pay-per-view buy has persisted for so long. Yeah. When... You take the top 10, and only six of them did over a million, and two of them actually just did a million on the dot, so you know they didn't actually do a million. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of people say stupid things. I'm not going to dwell. You know, it's like, yes, there is no... I mean, that's completely arbitrary distinction. And Cotto does come in at number eight. His The Cotto-Canelo fight is number eight. Okay, okay. Shout out Canelo Chavez that did a million buys. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's still... I oh, knew that one was going to be huge, of course. If you're interested in the list, basically, Holyfield Foreman, 1.4. Canelo Golovkin, 1.3. Holyfield Lewis, 1.2. Canelo Golovkin, 1.1. Canelo Chavez, a million even. Uh, Douglas Holyfield, a million even. Bo Holyfield, 950. Cotto Canelo, 900. Holyfield Bo, 900. And Holyfield Lewis, 850. And I didn't write which uh, of those fights because there's some rematches here because I don't care. Um... Let's move on. Let's talk about the undercard. We got David Benavides fighting against Anthony Durrell. Um, this is a big platform for David Benavides. So I want to get you guys' take. Like, if David Benavides wins this fight, I mean, like, how far could a win take him here? I think it'll put him back on track after his cocaine bust there. 
Well, no, because really that's what stalled out his career. You know, yeah, just, just getting stripped of that belt, which I, I thought that was kind of a dumb strip. It's like it wasn't it during a fight, was it? Is that a competition? So he shouldn't be stripped for. Well, right, and not really a performance-enhancing drug. Yeah, you know? well, that was just I mean, dumb. speak for yourself. <laughs> no, yeah, that was just dumb. Well, so, like, so yeah, I, I think, yeah, yeah Benavides is just he, this fight will put him back to where he should have been. You know, I, I, I think he's going to take it. I don't. I think Jarrell's uh, too old. You know, I don't think he's got enough to left in the tank to handle Benavides. So I think Benavides will be back on track, and then they'll probably aim him at Plant, I guess, because they've been having the world where it's definitely so. what they're trying to build up long yeah. term. Yeah, and they did a really, really, really good segment. I mean, this last yeah, night, Fred if you didn't watch the Quillen, yeah, was great. Um, and Google broadcasts, before that fight, they did this like three minute, maybe it was a little longer than that, I don't know. But they did a highlight video of the division, and like this is something that is just... I think this has been so obviously missing that it's astounding that nobody, no network has done this. It was basically a, th- like, I, I don't know how long it was, but it was a video where they showed highlights of all the guys that, all the top guys at 168. And then they used the, the PBC 168 pound fighters to, they basically did an interview and then cut their sound clips together. So they answered questions like, well, who's the best guy in the division? Or who who's the most talented, or who's the toughest guy, whatever. So they were all talking about each other, while you saw highlight clips, and it basically created the landscape of 168 and all the guys. And yes, they included Callum Smith. You know, I I don't remember who it was. It might have been Caleb Truax who said, "I you know I have Callum Smith as the best guy at 168." One of them said Canelo. You have to say Canelo. You know, he's the best. Um, what else did did you have? You know, you had Chris Eubank Jr. in the mix that I don't know why nobody's done that because it seems like such an obvious thing to do. It's so much better than what you we've seen in the past where basically they just put up a list and maybe they put up their pictures to say, oh, well, here's 168. But no, it's like, yeah, this is makes sense. Like if you've never, if you don't follow the sport very closely, you get a sense of who all these guys are. You get to see a highlight reel of all the guys in the, in the division. And it gave them a chance to kind of promote that Caleb Plant and, and, and Benavides are on a tra- like the trajectory is that way that they're that they're going to meet each other at some point down the line assuming that they both can put it together and and i think the goal for them is like that's possibly a pay-per-view fight they both have two or three fights before they can get there but if they put together a few wins it's possible that that becomes a pay-per-view fight and at least that's where you want to aim if not just have it be a very big fox fight or showtime fight but i think that's where the, they should be aiming at this point and like Benavides has to win that fight tomorrow, or, or not tomorrow, um, Saturday. That's obviously step one. And I think it's going to be a tough fight. Darrell, obviously, if you've watched him, he does not look like the same guy he was when he fought Saki Obika. But he's still a, a tough, big fighter. I mean, I, I've met a lot of fighters. You know, Caleb Plant. I've met um, Benavides. I've met uh, Darrell. Yeah, I've met all three of those guys. Darrell is like bigger than those guys and like not taller, but just the dude is physical looking. And so he's not an easy out. And so Benavides is going to need to, um, you know, take the next step because he's still really young. And so there's a lot of time for him to continue to develop. But I I think clearly there's a bright future for Benavides, but he really has to shine in this fight against Darrell. Um, 
if the goal is a big time fight with Caleb Plant. Uh, what do you guys think? What about you? Yeah, Tom? yeah. Like, I'm I'm a little frustrated about this fight in the same way that I'm frustrated about the the main event in that like. I think Benavides will win, and I think that does mean a lot, but I think people are giving Durrell so little regard that it doesn't really help that. Like, I've heard so many people shit on this fight, and it's like, you know, Durrell has fought, you know, similar to Porter to, to not quite the same extent, but, you know, he's been fighting around, he's been like around the top 10 of 168 for a very long time. You mentioned the Saki Obika fights. Badu Jack fight was a majority decision. I mean, it was a very close fight. Uh, he completely blew out Caleb Truax before anyone really cared about Caleb Truax, you know, but it's, um, I mean, I get it. Like he's the type of guy who has definitely can fight down to the level of his competition where he can fight like very questionable looking fighters and, you know, really not impose himself on them. So, um, I, I get it. I, I think, um, the main thing in this fight is just I'm super high on David Benavidez. I've been high on him for a long time. He's super young. He seemed to develop super well. I mean, he looked amazing against Jay Leon Love in his last fight. And it's one of those things people say like, oh, Jay Leon Love, you know, they kind of clown on him. But it's like he looked fantastic in that fight. And we've seen Jay Leon Love in with other guys and outside of, you know, fight where he got shocked. Like he's, you know, it's like, you know, okay, he's not great, but he's kind of like a top 30-ish type guy. And, you know, Benavidez absolutely annihilated him. Um, I think this, you know, Durrell is a guy who's never been seriously hurt, never been, certainly never been knocked out, you know, only lost once in a close decision about a jack. So I really do view it sort of like the Porter fight again, that similarity where it's like no one's really gotten uh, David Ven or, um Anthony Durrell sort of off of just like a close competitive fight, you know, at his worst, that's what it's looked like. So, um, you know, again, it's like, I do pick Benavidez to do well. And I think that will mean something. I don't know how much, unfortunately, how much respect he's going to get for that, but I'm just, ex I'm excited about the whole division. I mean, the PBC just has like a, a lot of good fights to be done at 168. you know, said like the end game, I think it seems they're trying to do is to get someone up to the pay-per-view draw level or, or at least one of these fights, but you know, not even worrying about that. You just have a lot of good Fox and FS one main events out of that whole group. And just to comment quickly about that segment. I mean, I, I also thought the segment was great. You know, I thought again, did a really good job of presenting the whole landscape of the division, trying to build up some of these storylines. And I think they also did a good job, you know, they've, PBC's had a lot of criticism how they've represented or failed to represent fights fighters from other uh, promoters. It's like and, you know, one I, time. Yeah, there have been a few separate times. It um, happened last night, though. No WBO again. Oh, right. Well, wow. yeah, exactly. That. So yeah, they mentioned fighters from the other uh, promotions, but not the WBO champion. You know, they didn't recognize him as a champion. So they recognized everyone except WBO. They got no time right. for. Yeah. So they've been consistent that way. But again, the point is like, you know, they did a good job of, of presenting the whole landscape. I think it was also just another note from that. They did met, acknowledge the existence of Chris Eubank, you know, uh, after a while. And, and he's hinted, uh, saying, are you ready for my uh, U.S. debut? So it looks like we could see him uh, back on Fox, maybe, you know, that's one thing that'll be interesting also um, related to that topic. And, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a tangent, but 
Um, we don't really know that much about the the upcoming PBC fights. We've heard a lot recently from um, Top Rank and DAZN sort of trying to do their own version of like an upfront for like what their fall schedules are going to be. The PBC has consistently been quieter in the fall, and you know we might see more or less of that now that they're with Fox with the the football, because you know on one side there might and be WWE fewer coming. Like, Right, exactly. Fewer slots available to them, but on the other side, maybe you know they will try to do more of this cross promotion, like they've done with this pay per view. So, um, you know, when they do announce their next wave of fights, there could definitely be some more pay per view fights in there. And you know, oddly, I don't think anyone expected Anfredo Alfredo Angulo to be in there. He's going to fight one of those guys, you know. Um, anyway, beat him anyway. Well, uh, yeah. Just to, on on Tom's point about people not giving Darrell credit, people have been shitting on these PBC matchups all year, and they've all been pretty much great. Like, look at last night's card. <laughs> yeah, you know? shockingly good. I like mean, all these people that said, "Oh, who cares about this fight?" If you, if you skipped that card last night, you're just you're an idiot because that was top to bottom. It was a great card. Everybody came to fight. Everybody came to bang, and you know, like especially the main event, you know. Like these two old dudes just beating the piss out of each other. So I, I think in this whole thing, sure they might not, but no one cares about these people. Essentially, no one these the people that constantly throw negativity at these PBC matchups, they're not moving the needle. Like Fox isn't going to go, oh, some guy on Twitter says we shouldn't be doing this when they're making money doing it, so they don't care. <laughs> right, over a million people are watching the fights. But five yeah. people are complaining about. Well, this was an FS1 card, so it's more like a few hundred thousand. But you know, but all and then the it's UK like guys are complaining. Five, yeah, it's like yeah. five people are complaining, and they're not even from the United States. It's like great. Um, yeah, let's move on. I mean, we could get into maybe the fact that the Durells are they they're hated for whatever reason, especially with this the thing that happened with the uncle. Um, people think that Andre Durell is like a faker um, because the dude has been injured in the ring a couple of times. Um, but that's all irrelevant. I actually met Anthony Durrell. The dude could not be nicer. Um, he's legitimately one of the nicest boxers that I've met. Um, dude, like, has, like, just super down to earth, willing to talk, like, forever. And, and not in the rambling kind of way, like, um, a particular fighter who just recently fought Errol Spence. Um, but in, like, a, I'm actually making good points. Like, Durrell might actually, now that we're thinking about it, I thought Brazil did a good job on commentary last night, but Durrell might actually be a guy who could be very good on commentary. Um, anyway, we'll move on to Mario Barrios. He fights Batcher Akhmedov on the undercard for the vacant WBA title. Um, Barrios is still in the prospect phase. Do you guys think that a win here will not just bust him out of the prospect Um phase of his career but enter him into the conversation uh with regis progray josh taylor and jose ramirez the top guys at 140 what do you think fred uh yeah i i think 140 is kind of open you know right now i think even though like you got names like regis progray josh taylor i don't think anyone's really proven like a as a big favorite you know uh what ramirez 140 right yes Although yeah, Jose Ramirez seven to fight Crawford. <laughs> yeah, we'll see that. Might I'm trying to tell you guys, but he's injured or whatever now, right now. So, uh, so yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, it's an open division ever since uh, Crawford left. So, you can make some noise, and it's it's up for grabs. I'll say that anyone can step up. Yeah. Uh, first off, I'll just shout out Mario Barrios to the Reddit AMA. So check that out if you haven't already read through there. 
Um, yeah, I think I don't think this is quite where he becomes a star, but I think this gets him one or two steps away from that. This is for some version of a fake title at 140. He's in with an undefeated Eastern European Olympian. Um, we'll see how good that opponent ends up being. I, I you know, I really don't know. Um, I've spoken about Barrios a lot before, I think more than <laughs> a lot, a lot of other people, you know, posting, you know, the first person to post gifts of him online clips online. I mean, some people have had really limited interest in his fights, but if you just look at like, you know, his frame, the knockouts, I think he has, he's on something like an eight fight knockout streak. He's still only like, you know, I think like 22, 23, 24, something like that. Very young. I think, uh, if, if he comes out, especially with an impressive win, you know, or really any version of a win. Um, I think you'll probably the next step will be uh, headlining an FS1 card. I think, you know, again, I don't think he gets to the stardom level. And 140, I, I know, you know, Fred said the division's wide open, and that's relatively true. But I mean, at least as far as like people rating the division, you know, I definitely think... Taylor and Progray are number one and number two. Jose Ramirez has a lot more respect now after the hooker win. Um, but we'll see again, you know, the PBC does their own thing. I mean, they don't care what people are arguing about on Twitter. So if, if Barrio ends up looking good, I think you're going to see him headlining on FS1. That could lead to headlining on Fox. You know, they're going to start to build their own business around him. Yeah, I disagree um, with you, Tom. I, both sure. of you take your take um, go you're on you're both wrong about this and anybody who believes this that 140 some deep division you're wrong and you're not thinking hard enough about this 140 is not deep trust me i didn't Progray, say it was deep okay i i'll i'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> remove you from the equation okay uh but i said it was deep, not so deep, you can argue and i'll tell you me. why who's at 140 let me finish the question who's at 140 that's gonna be there in six months Josh Taylor, maybe? We just progress going to 147. Jose Ramirez will be fighting Terrence Crawford next year. Who's going to be at 140 that, you, you, that we would say is, that makes the division deep? Can you actually name somebody at 140 that isn't, um, that isn't Ramirez or Taylor or Progray? Well, so where's Mikey going? Yeah, I was actually yeah, just Mikey's, Mikey's holding his breath for the Pacquiao fight. Yeah. Um, and, no. and that's Oof. fine. I mean, he should. Oof. Who are we forgetting about? That, that's my point. 140 is not that deep. And, and especially when you consider that there are... I thought are... you had someone. No, I don't have anybody. Oh, the... I thought you are sitting there just juicing us. Like, you guys forgot about this guy. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking no, about? Like, no, I, the point I'm making is that 140 is not deep. Well, that's Ma- why I said it's Mikey open. Mikey Garcia is, is, is willing to stay at 147 where we've seen that he clearly has no business. Josh Taylor and Regis Program. That is an excellent fight. I really like it, but Regis Progray doesn't want to stay at 147. Regis Progray wants to make money. He's yeah, also dude. outgrowing the division. He's had problems making weight multiple times. That's because he's from New Orleans, Louisiana, and the food down there is super good. He lives in Texas, man. Well, he's a big guy. He, he fought at 152 in the NFC He was on the Coppinger podcast multiple times. And he said, I never thought I'd like be out in L.A., but I love it here. Which, yeah. if you're not wait, from here, you would feel the same way, too. Wait till he gets that tax bill. <laughs> Heading back to Texas right away. Um, but, so, here's the thing, okay? 140's not that deep. Um, Barrios could be coming up the same, at, at the right time, I believe. Where all that's left is 
like like let's say Prograde beats Taylor, um, then Taylor's kind of left battered behind in the in the division, and then there's Barrios who's now got whatever version of title. I mean, Tom, you called it like a, a meaningless title or something, but it's not that meaningless because the WBA has the WBA super. They got the WBA regular. They got the WBA interim. They got the WBA vacant, which this one is, but they also have the WBA gold and silver. And it's not those two. So it's not that bad. It could be worse. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> like the, the WBA gold and silver is like the 24 seven title. It doesn't get any more useless than that. It's a fucking lot of belts. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of fighters, right? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's like the NFL playoffs, you know, everybody gets in. Yeah. Anyway, um, Barrios could legitimately, um, become the top guy at 140. Now I've been on the record in basically saying, uh, I, I haven't said it in the past 12 months, but pr- previous to that, I've said Barrios isn't that impressive to me. I'm not sure. Um, he's very good. Um, he just looks underwhelming, but I will say he's definitely taken leaps and bounds. I've seen him fight up close live a couple of times. Um, he does look a lot better. And so it's possible that seven months from now, eight months from now, like he's the best guy at 140. Do I, but, he, you know, he's got to get through Akhmedov first, and this is the yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm not convinced at all he's that good yet yeah i mean i I just think you're getting a little bit it's like this is a step in the process and you know it's like we're we're a long way before saying he's any version of a star i mean he's you know i don't think he's ever even had a main event i think he's closer to being a star than he is to being the top guy in the division uh i don't even know how to interpret that comment but the point is like in terms of building him up as a fighter i mean they haven't even like gotten to the point where they're trying to make him draw money. You know, I think if he wins this fight and again, it's like jokes aside, it's like he'll have some version of the title. I think at that point you will start to see him headline. You might see him and, you know, his start to see him build up an audience, whether that's in LA, whether it's in his hometown, which off the top of my head, I, I don't remember at all where he's from, but uh, he trains with Virgil Hunter in the Bay area. So, um, you know, this is, again, this would be a, a first step. And, I'll just say again, it's like he's got that nice knockout streak. The opponents aren't that great. You know, he sort of has a very like Brandon Figueroa like uh, resume right now. Um, This will be our first. This is, you know, a nice chance to start to get to see both how good he is and what they can do with him. um, You know, if he comes out of this fight with a nice win and we start to see him headlining. Yeah, I first it, you know, the start is can he beat this guy? Um, who has a pedigree, but we've seen guys who've got pedigrees before get beat, and we've also seen guys who come out and it's like, wow, these guys are good. They've been slept on. Um, Also, uh, Barrios is not from California, not from L.A. He's a Texas guy. Which, you know, there is definitely, you put him on a card with Brandon Figueroa, two Texas guys. You know, he could fight on Spence's next undercard when he goes back to Texas inevitably. Um, But there's definitely a path to stardom for Barrios. I just don't know if he's that good. That's my thing with him. I just don't know if he's that good, and I'm not willing to go out on a limb and say he's one of the top prospects in boxing or something like that. Um, yeah, I think we're going to find out. I mean, again, it's like this is not a squash match. This no, is a thing sure. of we get we get to learn more about Barrios. This is one of those perfect fights where it's like, okay, well, this guy we assume is going to come in with a style that if you're good, you'll figure it out and then do something with it. Um, then John Molina Jr. is going to fight Jose Cito Lopez on the undercard, which is basically one of those amazing fights on paper that just promises to be complete, uh, uh, what do you call it? Just complete mayhem. Will either guy 
become a welterweight contender after? No. But is this the fight you want your casual friends to watch? Yeah, for sure. This seems like it's going to be one of those fights. Two guys that aren't there to really win a, a put on a boxing clinic, but um, looking to win by knockout or something. That's that's these guys. Uh, so I don't yeah, I'll quickly comment to... on it. Um, I I think Josecito Lopez, you know, coming out of the Thurman fight, I think I, I just assumed he'd get some type of reasonable fight, and I think this is a good matchup for him. You know, I, I think he should be favored. He has, you know, it's like there are a lot of question marks about how much that, you know, the way that fight played out just had to do with Thurman's, you know, overall state, you know, coming back from a long layoff, being injured. But, um, yeah, I, I think welterweight is just it's a money division. I mean, there are so many fights you put them on. They're a main event of a card. I mean, I think, you know, you could see him slot in anywhere. You know, it's like if Porter doesn't, you know, if it plays out the way we're expecting, like that could be a good comeback opponent. You know, it could be, I mean, I mean, he just, he just slots in there. Like if Danny Garcia doesn't get a Spence or Pacquiao pay-per-view, it's like, you could definitely do Josecito Lopez against uh, Danny Garcia as a Fox main event. You know, it's, it's like John Molina to some, if he wins as well, to some extent, I think that's a little less so. He just has so many losses in his career. I think Josito Lopez relatively is fresher in 2019, which is weird to say that. But I think this iteration of him, I think uh, people are interested in after that Thurman fight. So, yeah, it's it's just it's another piece. It's just the PBC is just so stacked. I mean, it's like Ugas needs opponents, Lipinets needs opponents. Relax. We we don't need to go this long on this fight. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm good. Just this fight is going to be a, a war. Uh, all right, let's do some quick hits, guys. One sentence answers. Um, don't try to try to sneak more in on on us. Um, I'll ask a question, and then each of us will give an answer. Are you guys ready? Fred, did you fall asleep? No, I'm here. Okay, because we started talking about these lower level guys, and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to participate anymore. I don't care about Mario Barrios. Well, there's no need to drag it out. I said, you know, one forty is kind of open, so you can run. That that was the correct take. Um, all right, guys. First question. How many buys does the fight do, Tom? 325,000 buys. Fred? I'd say uh, about the same, yeah, rough around there. Okay, I, I'm a bit more specific. I would say 290. Um, will there be anthems before the main event? Yes. Yes. I'm going to go with no. I don't think so. Yeah, the honest answer, I don't remember what Actually, they did first. Actually, wait. Uh, Spence yeah, Garcia I don't think they and, played the uh, anthems. I, I, yeah, I really don't remember. Also, they would only play one anthem because they're both American. <laughs> so a, which guys? I'm sure there are plenty of people there who remember, and I do not remember. When was the last uh, fight that you could remember? Can you remember a fight where neither one of the main eventers was Mexican? Yeah, you know what I think they would do though. I, I was thinking that even before you said that, but I think they do it before the co-mains. So they could get the Mexican national anthem in there for um, David Benavidez. Can you guys remember a fight that did not have... What was the last fight you remember that did not have a Mexican in the main event on pay-per-view? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, Pacquiao, Thurman. No, no Pacquiao. <laughs> well, then what's really the point? I, I don't know. Mayweather, Birdo? I mean, how you far back are, are we going? You guys are silly. Uh, it's Wilder Fury. Oh, there you go. Hey, but that's wrong, because Fury's a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, A plus, A plus. <laughs> I love it. 
What did you you saw the wow, flashlight? I didn't right? see that joke coming. Wow, yeah, that, that was fun. Wow, that just made the podcast worth listening to for anyone who's toiled through this two-hour podcast. <laughs> uh, shout out to Tyson Fury who uh, p- p- <laughs> wore his uh, his, uh, his hat backwards. <laughs> um, also, some other ones that I can think of: um, uh, Cotto Martinez. You guys didn't know that, huh? Neither one of those guys is Mexican. I'll move on. I mean, I'm ready to move on. Yeah, we're we <laughs> said no sentence answers. Come You're on. supposed to be Come one on. sentence, and then you go off on this anthem thing. I can do Come that. On. You know, I, I'm stick to I'm, your own schedule. I, we're, we're on my schedule right now. Okay. <laughs> um, this podcast uh, has become rampant xenophobia. Just this obsession with nationalities. Everywhere Floyd or <laughs> everywhere Fred goes, it turns into that. Yeah. <laughs> um. I I recommend you DM Fred and just ask him for some takes around this situation. Um, um, Will they announce any more fights in addition to Wilder Ortiz? No. Uh, Yes, I think I said the the overall PBC calendar is looking a little bit uh, thin, and I think I think we will get some more fight announcements. Uh, I agree. I think at a minimum, we're going to get the co-main event for that fight. But Tom, I think you're thinking more fights. So I hope you're right. Um, I'd love to hear a bunch of fights get announced, but uh, we will see, won't we? Um, Will Spence or Porter walk out with someone famous? (laughs) Relatively. We we keep seeing Spence have these like walkouts. They're not going to be famous for you, but maybe for me. They're like Dallas area, like famous people. Uh, Tom, they won't even say like rapper or something. Uh, Fred, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think so too. Like we're gonna get some LA rapper. We had uh, Wilder walk out with J Rock, so we got to get someone from LA. Uh, this will be at the Staples Center if you didn't know. Um, more LA related question: Will someone wear Laker colors, purple and gold, or Dodger colors, white and blue? No. That's- I think so. Spence has, uh, has done that for a few. I mean, the Cowboys obviously is a connection to beyond that, but I think so. I mean, look, uh, Porter's Showtime, Sean Porter. You know, I, I think we could see. Uh, I think we could see some Laker colors. Yeah, and, and we usually see that on, on cards. People, so, someone on the card will appeal to the hometown uh, sports team. Uh, who will someone miss weight, and who will it be? No. No. Although Porter did miss weight in his last fight, and Spence does look, despite what he says, does look like he's outgrowing the division. But I'm, I'm going a, with no. I'm going to say yes, <laughs> and this one is. Uh, I'm surprised you guys didn't pick this one. Um, Lopez or Molina are highly suspect uh, here. <laughs> I oh, I, I thought you meant main eventers. I oh, and I meant the whole card. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, someone on the other card will probably shoot over. Yeah. You know, if you, if know. you guys were betting, like, like, just wanted to really bet, you'd pick Benavides. You know what? Actually, I want to uh, go for a hot take here. What if uh, Porter did come overweight and just said, you know, fuck it. This is my only <laughs> chance. I'm going to give myself like a better. Like they're not going to cancel the fight. I'm going to give myself a better chance. Oh, to, like, are, are we going to see a shot of, uh, of uh, his private parts when they put the towel up and to hold it too low? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is such a weird thing. It's like I've seen so many fighters like dicks at fights. Like they'll kind of put the towel up where it like blocks oh when it's a, TV. But when you're there flex, in person, like, you, you've seen everything. Like, yeah, when I was saying like I've seen Regis Progray miss weight before, like I've seen more than that. Tom's, Any of them got a low-key big hog? He doesn't even care what we'll talk about his money anymore now. As old. You guys, I've seen a lot of fighter dicks. <laughs> 
I've, I've seen it. You. <laughs> oh my god, Tom! What was this at the beginning of the podcast? This is what we need from you. Yeah, we need this fire. Bonus, you always con- bonus content for the people who've listened two hours in. I, I have to put this in the, in the title. Yeah, Spence versus Porter preview and fighter dicks. Fighter dicks. <laughs> Uh, um, what fight should be the co-main event of Wilder Ortiz? Uh, punt. I'm not uh. Tom, you know you don't want to play fantasy Booker right here. Yeah, just my my head's not in it. I don't know. It's like thinking about what. Yeah, your what head's on something else. Oh, here's a better question: Is uh, Wilder Ortiz definitely coming to Fox pay per view? And then what happens with the Showtime relationship? But we weren't going to ramble, so I just said punt. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's a question. Oh, actually, um, I, I skipped over that question, but that is listed here. Um, will Wilder Ortiz be a Fox or Showtime pay-per-view? How about you answer that one? Um, I, I I don't have a good answer, but I'm, I'm I will give us you know I will ramble a little bit here. It's it's really interesting. Like, there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes chatter. Like, Espinosa is really playing hardball with um, Heyman, saying that he's gonna basically like it's that whole thing is so weird of what's happening with Showtime and the PBC. Like they've done such a limited output and it just seems to be because Fox is like so happy with the PBC relationship and all the fights have ended up over there. Um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's definitely weird. And I'll just say, I, I don't see in any way how that's bad for Heyman. Like Coppinger's take on his podcast was like, well, both Showtime and Fox are dying to have the Wilder Ortiz pay-per-view. It's like, what business situation have you ever been in where you have two people who are like fighting for the services you're offering and you're saying that's a bad thing? You know, that means they have tons of leverage. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm super interested to see what the outcome of that situation is. So where are you hearing that from? Hmm? Uh, which part? Uh, the Espinosa bit. Oh, from Coppinger. I had said that. Just making sure. Um I think it's going to be on Fox. I don't have an inside scoop. I'm just repeating what Coppinger said on his podcast. Uh, I thought you were just going to quote a jabroni, but I got I got um I got this fight going to Fox with the uh, Fury rematch being a joint pay per view um, between ESPN and Showtime. Um, Fred, you got a you got a pick here. Showtime, Fox takes Cubans. Uh, Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> is there even a joke there? Or just I, I, he's playing up the xenophobia gimmick. Clearly, you just want no. You just wanted one sentence, and I'm not going to explain it. I'm just giving you your answer. Fred plays uh, by the rules. Tom, on the other hand, fair enough. Oh. Fair enough. Tom's like, I reject the premise. Like he's Will Kane or something. <laughs> Shout out to those of you who uh, get yeah, the I reference. Like, yeah. Tom doesn't watch sports, so he doesn't know what I'm talking about. Um. Jarrett Hurd seems to be like a natural selection, next, uh, not Charlotte Flair natural selection, but um, uh, a natural selection for Wilder's undercard. You can put him in with a slightly competitive uh, against a slightly competitive opponent. It is his return from from a loss. Um, I think that makes sense. Um, will Robert Guerrero win his fight on the undercard? Yes. <laughs> I'm going with no. And I, I think that's like very, fourteen and one. So it's like not even a hot take. It's like yeah, he probably won't win. Uh, how does the Benavides Durrell fight end? Uh, late knockout in favor of Benavides. Fred, uh, ring fight. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Uh, I, was, I was I was waiting for it. I want some antics. Uh, I, I I was like, he, Jose Benavides is is going to jump in the ring and sucker punch uh, <laughs> Durrell or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jose Benavides is gonna crash his in- Acura Integra into the ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, Andre Durell is gonna shoot Jose Benavides in the other kneecap. Uh, yeah, but Jose Benavides know. will be strapped, so it'll be a shootout. <laughs> yeah, you see his Instagram. That boy, he's got heat. <laughs> uh, yeah, his Instagram is hilarious. <laughs> will Mario Barrios win his fight? Yes. Tom. Uh, maybe. Ooh, I, I really don't know out. what to make of his opponent. I, I'm pretty yeah, sure that the WBA chose that guy. I don't think that was like matchmaking by the PBC. So we'll see. Is yeah. he going to look like the shitty guy that fought um, uh, Devin Haney? You know, who's a you know Eastern European guy with a similar record, or is he going to you know show up as like a former Olympian who's on you know fast track in his career? We'll find out. How does the main event Spence Porter end? Spence uh, knockout. Spence mm. knockout. You guys both going Spence knockout? Yeah, why not? Why, In why? my gut, that's just what I think is going to happen. It'll probably be a decision, but you know. Yeah, that's definitely the more likely outcome. I'm I'll going Spence knockout. decision. I don't think he's knocking Porter out. Porter, yeah. that dude's got a monster chin. Um, and what kind of promo do you think Spence cuts in the post-fight interview? <laughs> he probably takes a shot at the Porter's shoes again. You know, that's actually, uh, I don't have a one-word answer, but it's a great question because Spence, you know, regardless of anything, still has a great, I mean, I'll be interested to see who they involve in the broadcast. You know, like Porter was, you know, heavily involved in the Spence Garcia broadcast. I'll be interested to see if, like, is Mikey Garcia there? Is Manny Pacquiao there? You know, it, it it's like... You'd have to think there's a lot of money to be made by someone. You know, Spence represents a huge payday for someone. And it will be interesting to see what they do with that. I could definitely see Keith Thurman maybe just kind of like hanging out and working the broadcast. I think that'd be a good way to rehab him in general coming off the Pacquiao fight. I don't know if we'll see him in the ring, but I think he could be the guy we just kind of see hanging around. (laughs) I think he's going (laughs) to certainly babyface it. Um I think he's going to pay Sean Porter a lot of respect. But I also think um, that they're going to use everybody, and he's going to call everybody out. He's going to call out Danny Garcia, who should be ringside. He's going to call out Keith Thurman, who should be sitting at a desk in a cast, um, and Manny Pacquiao. He should call him out and say, any of these guys, if they want to stop playing around, if they want to stop ducking, why don't they call me? Otherwise... I may just go jump over to MMA and whoop Khabib. <laughs> oh, God. Um, uh, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but that, that is an, an interesting question. I mean, uh, anyone can get it. Is that what he's going to say? He's going to call Adrian Broner. Oh, God. Yeah. Broner jumps into the ring. I'll knock I you mean, off for real this time. Yeah. You know, that's just, just to go back, like, um, when we were talking about the PBC schedule, there are a bunch of fights we've heard about. Like we've heard about both fights for Jermel and Jamal Charlo heard about fights for Erickson Lubin heard about a fight for, um, uh, it's like, um, her J rock two is off, but you know, presumably, uh, J rock's going to have another fight before the end of the year. So like Broner is supposed to fight Ivan Redcatch, but, um, it's been kind of slow filling this stuff in. I have a red cat over there looking like the Riddler. If you saw him on the broadcast last night. <laughs> yeah, his hair looks ridiculous. His, he uh, just he, In general, he looks pretty ridiculous right now. I mean, villainous for sure. But yeah, I, I'm looking for some of those questions to get filled in about the schedule on the pay-per-view. 
we should start like uh like our own betting service tom you can bankroll us and we'll take some prop bets like will he mention terrence crawford in his post-fight interview and we just take bets on that what do you think oh oh you know one one fun prop bet this is thing i forgot to to bring up earlier so just another fun bit of intrigue in the fight um spence has never been cut as an amateur or pro and i actually did get to ask him that on the the media call to confirm that and he did confirm never been cut as an amateur or pro he had like a little bit of blood in his lip in the Kell Brook fight, but that's it. So, you know, I, th- that's another question to you guys. Will Errol Spence get cut in this fight? Yes. It's Sean Porter. Come on. Porter's Everyone gets short, cut against though. Porter. Fred, what do you say? I think Errol stands too tall. Yeah, I actually think so also. I think I think Spence will get out of it without getting I, out of it. I, I, I Porter's elbow is going to get in there. <laughs> He's going to try. You know, that head's going to come in at a he's going to he's leading shot, but I think Spence is a bit too tall for him. I, that I that know, is pretty interesting, though. It's a, a pretty interesting uh, prop bet. Um, you you want to take some money on it, Tom? <laughs> no, but it was. I mean, it's like Porter on the media call. Porter gave me like the best answers. Like you know, there have been there's been a bunch of like online discussion from the media call, and like Porter gave like great fuel, like. A, People wrote up boxing scene stories for both of the questions I asked Porter. Like he gave great answers. Um, Spence wow. never gives anything. Like he just doesn't care. Like he just he really doesn't like burn calories giving those answers. Like when I asked him about that, you know, even brought up like the Tyson Fury fight. Something people are clearly interested in. He's just like, yeah, I've never been cut. He kind of like answered all my follow-up questions. He's like, no, I've never been cut. No, there's no reason for it. It just hasn't really happened. No, I'm not worried about it with this cut. Yeah, Porter's a dirty fighter, but if it happens, it's not going to affect the fight. And he's just like, okay, well, you know, okay. I thought he'd gotten fired up about that during the face-to-face. So I thought I could get kind of a better answer, but he just kind of like, anyway. But we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see that. I'm going to get fired up if we see uh, color come up in the fight. Tom, I'll bet you 20000 Spence gets cut. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ooh. Well, I certainly won't take the bet. There's a very good, very good chance, but my it's already hunch, an escrow. I'm not the World done. Boxing Super Series. <laughs> Tom's got his eyes on some new shoes. He can't give up that twenty grand. There. It's like it's like the outcome of the fight. It, the most likely thing is that it will go the distance. Spence win. I'm my hunch is it'll be a knockout. Same thing with the cut thing. But anyway, we can move on. Last question: Will Joey Spencer disappoint as badly as he did last time he fought? That Tom? was for you, Tom. <laughs> I think he's going to have a great performance. He actually, you know, he spoke because, like, everyone said they need to drop Porter down or uh, drop Joey Spencer down. He, you know, he needs time to rebuild. And uh, he said, like, Al Heyman basically was like, you know, no, we believe in you. We want to give you a chance to show how good you are. So that's why they gave him the, the big slot. So yeah, I think he's going to do a good job. But, uh, you know, I've... <laughs> The Joey Spencer thing has gone so crazy. By the way, shout out uh, Vito Melnicki got a, a knockout on Friday night. So yeah, so good how did for I him. know? I was I was literally going to ask you that uh, about him next. I was like, what what do you know about Vito Andolini? Which is not even his name. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun pronunciation. Well, like shout out to a real prospect. Like you know, meme prospects aside, um, Chris Culver looks amazing. I mean, that was another thing that was fun about the PBC card. You know, it was like you had the two competitive distance fights on Saturday night and like two prospects with really nice knockouts. Culver just well, looks better every time out. And, and then he's Michelle fought. Rivera, who looks spectacular in the Oscar Valdez sense. We'll see how he looks when the opposition gets better. But right now, the package that he's put on display is phenomenal. I think, Fred, you could back me up on this one. 
Uh, yeah, like I even said it in the chat there. And this is the thing. When people talk about Ryan Garcia and they still want to call him a prospect or whatever, uh, Ryan Garcia and Michelle Rivera are the same age. They've Garcia has one more fight. But if you compare those two dudes, you can clearly see who's who's got the goods. You know, Rivera's not like he's he needs a bit of polish and everything, but the way he was moving, like I, I could see because they argued last night. Okay, maybe give him another round. Like I don't that was, I don't you know Ray Mancini likes see guys scrap. You know, and he's like give a guy a chance. Like I didn't have a problem with that stoppage, but he that dude didn't know where he was throwing his punches. <laughs> Like he didn't like uh, Rivera had him so confused because he was moving up. He's moving down. He's even dipping his body, making it look like he was going to throw a body punch. And then he hit him in the head. Like, yeah, he looked really nice. Like, he was so smooth on his combinations. And of course it's a competition, you know, but, but the guy wasn't that bad as a pony. It's just that he's got that reach. Like, you know, that again, he's almost like at 71 inches and he's at 135. That's, that's just a huge reach for a guy, his height. Looked that was really on nice. the prelim card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't watched the. Pre- I, I still have that on my DVR. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he was just he was just beating the piss out of the guy. Yeah, this guy Rivera yeah. looks really good. I mean, I, I see flaws in him for sure. I'm not trying to tell you guys like this guy's gonna be the next Spence. Um, I I, I think his ceiling is like Oscar Valdez, which is still pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's funny though. Shout out Draven Bay Area loves uh, Michelle Rivera. Yeah. <laughs> He's uh, really Samson Lukovic, man, that dude knows how to find him. Yeah, no, the, yeah, this kid looks good. Like this, like yeah, he's yeah. got a lot. I know who he is. I mean, he fought on Showbox and looked really good when they had uh, Samson filled out a whole Showbox card, like yeah, uh, in the, June, the Fundora one. Um, yeah, he's Rivera's Dominican. It's rare we'd spend a lot of time to talk about a prospect, and and we could certainly do more time on Colbert and all that stuff. But you know what? We're out of time. This is probably our longest podcast yet. If you're still here, thank you for listening. Um, definitely, if you want to have more conversations about boxing and talk boxing, you can always join our Discord, where all three of us and the rest of the gang are there, plus a whole bunch of other characters. Um, you, to get into that, just message one of us on Twitter or at the Twitter account. I don't know. Um, and someone will reply to it. Thanks for coming on, guys. Um, hope you guys enjoy the Spence Porter card. Hopefully it's as entertaining as the the card we saw on Saturday night because that was something special um, in terms of just enjoyable. Um, this one features names that we know, so that'll be good too. Um, thanks a lot for listening, guys, and we'll be back. Yeah, like if you're still made it this far, hit us up in the chat, hit us up on Twitter. We definitely want to hear if you're buying the pay-per-view, and we also want to hear if you think Spence is going to get cut. Because <laughs> <laughs> Tom over here won't put up the 20 gay, but, you know, whatever. That's 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 more than, that's almost what Ryan Garcia was getting paid. So, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, also if you, you, you want to hear, um, if you want to hear more about that whole Ryan Garcia thing, always you can go over to patreon.com slash Sunday Puncher. There's lots of podcasts over there that you can also listen to. Um, we're out of time, guys. Thanks for being here. We're up.